0: okay good always <laughs> and yeah. we're on uh, <laughs> well hello and welcome to the meet your species podcast my name is heath and today we've got Vaisu. <laughs> um for those of you who don't know Vaisu, he's just a wonderful human being and uh, we've we've known each other since 2019 right yeah i think so yeah uh and you actually met shrav before that yes so i think it might be nice to start with just like that um, Mahashivaratri. Yeah. Just tell what that was like. Maybe explain what Mahashivaratri is in case someone doesn't know. Oh, I
1: think you should explain what
0: is Mahashivaratri. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, in India, there's this celebration that happens and uh, it's, it's like a party all night long. Yeah. And the reason is because they say the way the earth spins, there's like a natural upsurge of energy, which is good for spiritual growth. So India being the kind of country that was built around uh spiritual growth as like one of the most core parts of the culture uh they just made a party out of it so everyone would stay awake and make use of this which i think is a really cool thing like everyone has parties but they have parties that are also parties for like your well-being which is a crazy concept to me but anyway that's a thing and uh the isha foundation which is where uh which kind of glued us all together um they have one of the biggest parties in the country. Probably the biggest, right? The biggest, I think. After Kummela, I think it's the biggest. It's just, it's absurdly big. Yeah. Like, I remember the first one, I was like, how are there this many people? And I was like, wait, I'm in India. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so that's uh, in a very brief, brief, brief nutshell what uh, it is. So uh, tell the the story of how you met Shrav. Yeah. So uh, every year during Mahasivaratri,
1: I go to Isha Foundation at least one week before for volunteering so there are many activities going on over there so there is this uh, Yaksha festival that is classical dance and music which happens I think three two to three days before the main Mahashivaratri event so I was volunteering there to arrange chairs you know you do whatever is needed over there Mm -hmm. so at that time I think Sravanyaka and me were volunteering together we were arranging chairs she was in she was not arranging chairs I was arranging chairs but something we were in the same department so maybe uh, like we were volunteering and on the day of Mahashivratri we were put in the same activity that is guest care so, a lot of guests like VIP guests come during Mahashivratri to perform on the stage. So, we were in the green room where we need to arrange their food, uh, their uh, whatever is needed for them. So, we were volunteering there and Sravaniyaka made us work totally hard.
2: <laughs> worked you to death.
1: Yes, worked us to death. <laughs> so, that's how me and Sravaniyaka met. I remember, so the Mahashivratri starts from 6 p.m. and it goes till 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. so the entire 12 hours we were behind in the green room and by 5am I was almost dead but Sravani Yuga was still on, I still remember so we wanted to shift certain furniture from one room to another and I was like, I need to go home, I'm not doing this but <laughs> Rana was like, no, we are doing this and she, she actually started lifting all the things up so she was, I think, trying to lead by example
2: <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: you were very motivated Yes. to get the work that yes. Yeah. yeah. So again we shifted it into that uh, other area and later uh, once Swami came and he was like why did you shift that you didn't need to shift that I'm like Sravaneka <laughs> I told you so we don't need to do that. <laughs> so that's how me and Sravaneka came in touch with each other yeah. <laughs> so yeah so since then uh, I think I used to message her once in a
0: while and uh, how did we meet that's what I'm thinking. It's a good question. Yeah. I I just remember uh At that time, I was starting, I was getting into like social media and all this kind of stuff. I was making some YouTube videos and, um, I was in Bali and I, I had somehow been able to convince some places to even let me stay for free if I made them some video content and stuff like this. I was all getting all into it. And then, uh, I kept hearing about this Vaisu kid who's got his YouTube channel where he's just interviewing people. And so I checked it out. I was like, Oh, he's just sitting with one of those little lapel mics and just like, it was really funny, but uh good content. Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, you've got this like kind of a engaging kind of energy. And, um, I think at that time, Isha had a social media presence, but it was still not like, um, it was just starting to grow in a yeah. big way, but but there was still not like the kind of content they've had since then, and so I think there was a definite need that you were filling for like people that were interested in. So there's this program, Inner Engineering, uh, which you obviously know, and that's uh, the like introductory program for Isha, and there's not many people that were giving like a real what's that experience experience you know? of that yeah, and you filled that niche, and yeah. I think that's what like really gave you a good start yeah um so why uh why did you uh you know what well let's get to the, the yeah. podcast later okay i want to start with you though okay so let's go all the way back to little visu okay where are you from so
1: i'm from this place called caroline india it's called god's own country super green and a uh, lot of rivers a lot of beautiful places beautiful women beautiful men
2: <laughs>
1: yeah a lot of awesome food our kerala is really famous like in marriages you get this rice with like 20 30 dishes and four sweet dishes that's too much yeah that 30? is yeah it's like 15 20 i think around do you
0: have like one little piece of chana from each one or like what? Yeah, a little bit,
1: little bit, little bit they'll serve. So yeah, some like five, six small dishes, a little bit medium, then large. Mm. So you have like, see, my mouth is watering. I'm not able to talk.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I'm picturing, do you know, have you seen the movie The Grinch with Jim Carrey? No. <gasps> okay. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Let's leave that example. Anyway, um, so I've only been to Cochin... Kochi? Kochi. Kochi, Yeah. And we, like Shrav and I were just traveling. And um, I think we had a flight from Bali because you can only stay for like a month or two in Bali and then you have to leave and come back. So we flew. The cheapest flight was to so We were just there for like a little bit before our return flight. And we just got some food and there was uh, this coconut curry deliciousness. Do you remember what we had? i don't know everything has the coconut other. there it was i loved it because you know i've been around india and there's lots of delicious food in india no question about that but i love coconuts mm-hmm. and so to find the coconut curry heaven was like oh my uh-huh. god <laughs> i have to be here more <laughs> plus the banana chips because you guys do a lot of banana, yeah, chips. banana
1: this is a special kind of banana and i think you can make the banana chips only out of that mm. and that grows only in kerala
0: you guys have the monopoly.
1: Yeah, we have the monopoly. <laughs> Even the tastiest fish. Yeah, it's you get tasty seafood also there. Mm. There's one particular fish. Uh, it's called pearl spot. It's supposed to be... My mom tells me that it's the tastiest fish in the world. I don't know about that, but it's very tasty.
0: Mm. Well, <clears throat> I guess if you're in India and you... At least at some point, that would have been the whole world. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember a friend, uh, Maria, who's a photographer, she went over to Kerala and was taking pictures of the tea plantations. Yes. I thought those were so pretty. Yes. Like just uh, the just the landscape of the yeah, place and it's those beautiful. river boats and houseboats. Yeah. And yeah. You guys have lots of
1: yeah. great tourist locations. It's actually a very beautiful tourist location. Like I think Kerala can survive on tourism itself, it's just it needs to be developed. Except during
0: COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what is like? Paint a paint a sort of mental picture, like for someone who's never been to India or even Southeast Asia. What is Kerala like? What's it like to grow up there? So the truth is, I haven't grown up in Kerala.
2: Oh, So wow. Never <laughs> <was>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have grown up in the Gulf country, like you know, Dubai. Uh, so everyone knows Dubai that's why I gave the reference Dubai but now I think Qatar will also be famous because the next world cup is happening over there Mm. so I grew up in Qatar most of my young age because my dad was working over there so yeah like childhood was all about it's like a it's it's very hot over there so you basically live in a small flat with your parents and then you go to school you come back that's it in AC yeah in AC it's like full like that so that was basically my childhood. Like, you know, going to school, coming back, doing studies. Yeah. So you didn't it, like go out and
0: play with friends? With no, friends.
1: not that much actually. Like, it's so hot over there. You can't actually play like... It's too hot It's friends. too hot. Only during winter times. But yeah, that's. I think that's where my story begins also. So... I personally did not like studying that much, but my mom wanted me to study, you know, because if you somehow, I think it's there a little bit in the Indian thing that if you don't study and if you don't get good marks, you won't reach anywhere in life. So Mm -hmm. for her, the emphasis was on, you know, studying, 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 so i studied a lot but for me personally i just wanted to roam around you know chill with friends and i would see them going to mars going to theater so i wanted to do that but i never got to do that so Mm -hmm. that is my
2: picture
1: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough yeah so so should i go on with that or would like you yeah i mean like tell me like if you spend most of your time with your parents what are they like Oh, they are like uh, super nice people. Like, uh, they care for me a lot. Like, for me, I'm, I'm the only son. Mm-hmm. So my parents, the entire life revolved around me. Hmm. so because of that they were really overprotective like they were protective overprotective in my sense for them it's just like they were just caring for their child yeah (laughs) from my perspective like i couldn't get to do the things that i wanted because they're like oh this is dangerous don't go in water that is dangerous they were just trying to protect me like parents Um, but for me personally i think it was very limiting i wanted to do a lot of things at that time you know Mm -hmm. looking at friends they would do things now when i look back at it i'm glad that i didn't do many of those things but at that age like what like i don't know they would uh they would go to shops they would steal things and oh
0: oh like other people
1: yeah yeah because at that time you know stealing from malls and all it's like a big thing i'm like oh wow these are cool guys but i'm glad i didn't do that i would have caught by the police mostly so all kind of things they would hang out with girls and all i never like for me it was like no all girls are like your sister you should you know Girls are like your yeah, sister, yeah. And <laughs> and the worst part is, I studied in a boys' school, so there's like this boys' wing. Then in between there's like a junior wing where kids are, and then the girls' wing is so separate. So you never get to see the girls. Mm. Only once in a while, when there is some sports meet or happening, there's a big assembly in which girls come and we're like, oh my god, who are these people? <laughs> And for me also, like I used to go from my home to the school in a cab, like there was a, like a private cab arranged for me. So I would go there. Usually how kids would go there was like, they would have big buses. Mm -hmm. So at that time they would interact with ladies, women and all that. But for Mm -hmm. me, that was not even the case. So I never interacted with uh, women from a young age. So that, that led to a lot of issues within me, like how to interact with women. Mm -hmm. So yeah so that is one of the issues that i faced as a young kid like how to talk with girls how they are like how to see them as friends there is something more than just you know like seeing them sexually or something like they can they're just like other human beings they can be your friends so that is something as a young kid i never understood so led to a lot of issues within me so yeah so one of the issues was this was one of the issues then a lot of studying so what happened is Mm, I was the first in my class I was a topper in my class I always used to score very good marks but how this happened was I never used to focus like when I was sitting for a class I would never focus in the class like Mm. the teacher would be teaching something I was not interested in it I was interested in throwing papers or doing something in the back you know fighting with kids that was what I was interested in so I was not really a topper but when I went back home I would sit And study for 2-3 to hours continuously. Mm -hmm. Like daily studying. Like textbook used to be so so huge. But I would literally by heart each of the textbook. Uh. I was so good with that. So when the exams come. Even though I never focus in the class. I would easily score good marks. There was one subject. With which I was really good. Because of my dad. It was mathematics. So mathematics you can't basically by heart. You need to have a good base in it. Mm -hmm. So one thing my dad used to teach it in a very nice way. Like even though uh, you know. There's this thing like I think when you go from nine to tenth or something or eight to nine something, algebra comes. So algebra is something oh a square, B square, Why are oh, What's oh,
2: going my god, on? oh my
1: god. my <laughs> <This is like>, god. <laughs> but luckily my dad was already chilling. Like it's it's very simple. It's nothing you need to focus on. And he just gave me the basics and I understood like max is not so hard. So max is one subject that I really, really loved and would like to study. So that also I used to score well. But what happened was mm, I started getting I think let me think about it once this happened. I'm not getting I'm I lost my train of thought. What was I wanting to say? Just give me a moment. Yeah, like I'm
2: just
1: yeah, I'm just thinking where it started like where my exam fear started. Mm, Yeah, so basically my exam fear was I used to score almost 100 out of 100 in all subjects like 99 out of 100, 95 out of 100. So my stress started that I was worried. I would get any less score than 100 that was my stress my Mm. stress was not that I would fail or anything so once something like I went to an exam and I couldn't answer a question or something like that happened I'm just trying to figure it out and I came back home and I told my mom oh I couldn't write this thing and uh, she was like that's fine that's fine you don't get stressed you know even if you get low marks it's fine you just don't get stressed so I think that got into my mind like if I become a bit stressed my mom won't care that much about marks You get where I'm coming. this? As a kid. (laughs) As a kid, that was like, kind of like, oh, so if I show stress, my mom won't care that much about studies. (laughs) Because she doesn't want you to be stressed.
0: Yeah. She's a mom.
1: Yes, she's a mom. So, (laughs) so then what happened was slowly, slowly, I think as a mechanism, this started happening with me. I wanted my mom's care and love more. I know. so that she would tell me, don't focus on studies, you do whatever, it's. like before exam, she would say, okay, it's okay not to study, you do something else. So mm-hmm. if I realize that...
0: Go, go steal some stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized if I show some a little bit of anxiety or something like that, her focus from studies will come down. So what happened was this started happening more, like initially it was just with one exam paper I would show stress then slowly slowly I started showing it for all papers Hmm. as a kid I did not understand it was a mechanism within me it was sorry it was automatically happening from one to one so one fine day like this was happening my mom asked, okay you are only getting stressed for exams what's happening oh "Oh, that's true why am I getting stressed for exams?" so what happened was I started getting stressed for other things also like uh, uh, let's say i drop i dropped a glass then I'm like, oh mom is this okay i dropped a glass are you okay with it like it slowly slowly started appearing in each and everything like whatever i would do or think let's say i had a thought about a girl like let's say i saw a movie in which there's a girl or something i, I saw it and i like oh i saw this girl then i had to run to my mom and ask her i saw this girl like this is that okay mom like need permission or something yeah something like that like i it was like a very unhealthy kind of mechanism within me where for each and everything i had to go and ask my mom Mm. like just imagine like anything you think or anything you want you have to get the permission of your mom so it was getting so much kind of like a compulsive thing within me so it reached to a certain point that you know, my mom was also getting frustrated. What's with this kid? Like, he's keeping on ha- asking <laughs> each and everything. So, that's when, um, like, initially they thought, like, you know, at that time, mental health issues So, this was not, like, yeah, no as it is. About it. No one talks about it. So, it's a very, like, no one in the family talks about it or anything. But still, they they cared for me a lot. So, they were open to the idea. Like, they took me to a psychologist in, uh, when. Like we used to come for vacations. Like we used to have like two month long vacations. And between summer breaks and winter breaks. That's what they were called.
0: Where would you go? Kerala. Oh, you come to Kerala. Kerala
1: okay. Yeah, we come to Kerala. So they took me to a few psychologists. So they gave me certain exercises. But still it was not working. Because for me, the kid within me on one way I was suffering on the other way I was a little bit happy also I think right now I can't think about it from a distance I was happy also because when I'm acting stressed I don't need to study mm. not at all studying they're like you do whatever you want You if study is giving you you just leave it so all of this just to not study yeah so it was a very unhealthy combination of things which was promoting my behavior mm. so finally uh, they talked to a family doctor and uh, that doctor said you know why don't you take him to a psychiatrist like Taking to a psychiatrist is just like any other thing, you know, if you have a fever, you go to a doctor. Similarly, if you have a mental health issue, you go to a psychiatrist. So yeah, so that's what he said. And my parents finally agreed because initially for them taking to a psychiatrist was like a little bit of a taboo. More than a taboo, I don't think it was a taboo. More than a taboo, they were worried like taking medications. Is it good? Mm -hmm. They don't know. So, I remember they took me to this uh, psychiatrist in uh, in the city, in Doha. Uh, it was a lady, a very nice lady. So, she had certain questionnaire and all. And, uh, you know, there are some questions like, what would you do if you had this? What's your age? All these things, you just need to fill it. And at the end of the questionnaire, I think it was some kind of psychometric test or something. Uh, and she said, you know, uh, I have obsessive-compulsive disorder and uh, depression. So, that's, that's what, uh, according to that test, I got... Uh, categorized uh, and uh, she said i would need to take this drug called prozac it's a medication that you're given for uh, depression Mm. so yeah so so now when i look back at it i instantly felt a relief when she said you have depression and uh, there's a chemical imbalance in your brain and you did not need to worry now when i look back at it instantly i felt a relief when she said that because it was taking away responsibility from me Oh. I was no longer responsible for what
0: I was it's facing the thing. it's, it's the me. thing,
1: it's not me it's not because of my parents thing for studies it's not my mechanism, it's just uh, just like a disease, just like a virus that's what I was getting so I was given this medicine called Prozac I still remember taking it because till then, I was having intense emotions. I would feel like intensely, like simply sitting. I would cry because I don't know what's happening. If I wanted something, like I... At that time, I had a craze for watches. I wanted a steel watch, steel strap watch. Because at that time, I think 50 cent and all were... Going big. Were <laughs> you big in the rappers? Yeah, I was like 50 cent. <laughs> I would listen to them. So I wanted a steel strip watch. So I was like, how will I ask mom? How will I ask dad to get me a watch? So I started, you know, I'll do this. I'll start crying. And then mom, I want a watch. Is that okay if I ask for a watch? <laughs> so that kind of thing. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can't say anything. They got me a watch.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. So I remember taking this medication. And immediately I felt numb. In two days, I felt numb. Like, I wanted to cry, but I'm not able to cry. Oh, like emotionally, you're numb. Yeah, I'm emotionally numb. I'm like, wow, this is... At that time, I was like, wow, this is nice. (laughs) Because rather than feeling sad or depressed, it's okay to feel numb at that point of time for me. And uh, for me... uh, I liked going to that psychiatrist because that was the first person with whom I could share anything I want. I could talk about girls. I could talk about my issues in class because I'm from a little bit conservative family. We do not talk much to our parents like that. We, mm. you know, like, like I have never got sex education or, uh, you know, all these things like these are like, I was at that adolescent age where my hormones are, you know, pumping up. When I look at a woman, certain things are happening with me. I'm like, what the fuck is happening within me? So even in school, they don't uh, have anything uh, like that? There is just one in our 10th standard, there's just one chapter on <laughs> reproductive health. And uh-huh. that also, like, we kids are like, oh my god, let's read this first. <laughs> <laughs> same in
2: Indian syllabus. Yeah. Oh yeah, my
1: god. The same Indian syllabus, CBSC. <laughs> and sometimes the teachers even skip that lesson, I heard. Like, there's, oh, really? yeah, they're like, okay, We're you not should, about Yeah, this. you'll study it on your own. You yeah. prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so she was the first person, like, uh, whom with whom I could share these things like what are these things happening within me and so for me for more than the medication finally I found someone with whom I could share my things and all so that was why I was I, I liked her so much I was very dependent on her like whatever she said that was like the thing for me but what I didn't realize was at that time was this medications I was taking it was on a very high dose mm-hmm. so I'm not taking this medication or anything it, I'm sure it helps a lot of people and it's needed but these medications actually had a side effect and i had the side effect like so one time i was watching movie with my parents i was sitting in the theater and i blacked out i just blacked out like that the next thing i'm opening my eyes i'm in the hospital with a splitting headache they collapsed yeah i just collapsed. i don't i don't even remember collapsing Uh i just my scene is i'm watching this movie i'm gone Next thing I remove slightly, I'm in the car with a headache and my parents are talking something. And then I'm in the hospital. Someone is putting on a trolley stretcher with a splitting headache into the MRI scan. And then only I slowly, slowly I'm getting remembering. So later my mom told me like, you know, you just blacked out. Like at that time, I, I, when I, as a family, we, we used to go for a movie, but I would go and sit alone because that was kind of like, oh, I'm sitting alone and watching a movie. <laughs> that was like a big <laughs> thing for me. I don't know. I, I'm like, why did I do that? I could have just sat in <laughs> But yeah, so. That must have been scary for them, huh? Yeah, that must, that must have been really scary. Like, I still remember, th- there was a particular movie, uh, which was that Malayalam movie, Padram something. So, still when that movie comes on the screen, on TV, mom's, mom gets really stressed. Oh, really? Because she associates that movie with my issue. Mm. Yeah. That's a very nice movie, beautiful movie, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too bad for the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, at that time, uh, I still remember. So, my parents called this doctor, who I was seeing at that time, and she told... They asked her, like, you know, I have never had a history of seizures. I basically had a seizure. Mm. I blacked out because I had a seizure. So, they asked her, like, what what happened to him? So, she's like, it can't be side effect of the medication. It has to be something genetic. Maybe you check. So, when you look at the genetic way, if you go back, someone or other in your family might have had some issue. Mm. Okay. So, she said, yeah, that's the issue. So, but... But it was quite obvious it was because of the medication. Because once my mom told me, like, when I was going into the MRI scan, there was actually a young doctor out there in that hospital. So he was just looking through my history and like, oh, this guy, oh, he's taking Prozac. Is he having some issues? And he's like, this medication is very well known to cause seizures. He's a very new doctor and he knew it. (laughs) And he Uh... said that. (laughs) But the psychiatrist said, no, it can't happen. Was she
0: older? She was very experienced. Yeah. Do you think maybe it's because, like... uh new drugs come all the time and if you're newer maybe you learn about the current stuff okay. and if you're older maybe you didn't uh, get updated. More than that like once I was out of this issue I
1: started learning about psychiatric drugs also. Oh, okay, so the okay. very thing is like see for every disease we have a test Like let's say you have a virus in your body, you have whatever, you can take a blood test and show it. Mm -hmm. For a mental health issue, they say you have a serotonin imbalance. So that is why you are given SSRI, that is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. That's what they are called. So they say, you know, when you take this medication, your serotonin returns to the normal balance. But if you go to any psychiatrist, when they categorize you as depression or anything... They never give you a blood test or anything. Even if you ask them, okay, you say that my serotonin is less or my dopamine is less. Can you give me a blood test or some kind of test? It doesn't
0: exist. There's no way to test. There's no way to test.
1: The only way to test is like when some person dies, you grind their brain and then you will know. <laughs> you like grind what is brain? yeah, brain? Yeah, you grind their brain and then only you can know how much is each of the... What level, what level chemicals are there there are some very complicated tests you can have heard but those are available only in the top like those are not available to people regular people mm. but everyday they categorize millions of people you know so they're what guessing
2: uh,
1: it, <laughs> it's a whole <all> another <laughs> thing so it's basically a, a stunt you know to promote the medication and all Mm. yeah so okay. yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't want the podcast to go there that's why i'm like just yeah. saying yeah no interesting uh, yeah i so, look that up yeah
0: so um how did your how did your parents feel about this when you were going through all that yeah now when i look back at it i thought i was
1: stressed they must have been even more stressed because i was their only son and seeing their only son suffering is not a i don't think it'll be easy on any parent especially for my mom and dad they they love me like so much like for them i am their world so it must have been so hard for them but They were quite strong doing all this. They would support. And for me, luckily, my mom has a twin sister also. So I lived in, yeah, yeah. So I lived in a Mm. combined family. Twins are in the family. Yeah. (laughs) You might have twins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So, so luckily, uh, since ours is a combined family, there's a lot of support, family support. Even my mom and dad, had support from my aunt, my uncle. They also used to live with us. So there was a huge support from them also. So, we decided to leave Qatar because, you know, better treatment is available in India.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Compared to, like, all foreign countries. Like, Indian doctors, you know, because population. Indian doctors actually do hands-on. Even when they're going through MBBS, if it's from a government hospital, they see thousands of patients. Mm. Thousands of patients with real diseases. They go, So, they have hands-on experience. But I've seen in Doha, when some of my friends went for MBBS, they actually have simulated patients like a patient acts as if he has a disease
0: oh and then you try and diagnose yeah
1: (laughs) but in india you get thousands of people with real disease so in india the healthcare is also low and we have so much alternative like ayurveda siddha homeo so much variety of you know treatment processes holistic processes and also the doctors are quite experienced some of the top mental health institute like nimhans i think it's the second in the world it's in india only Mm -hmm.
0: so how would you describe to do, I mean, I'm guessing just like India, Qatar has probably changed quite a lot since yeah. you were a kid. How would you describe Qatar at that time when you're going through all of this? Like as just as a place? Qatar is a nice place. It's, it's quite... It,
1: if you want to have a quiet life, if you want to just do your thing, earn money, save, like, you know, it's mm-hmm. a very nice place. It has all the amenities. Even the Qatari government is very good to expatriates. Like personally, from my experience, it has been very good. My dad had a very good government job. Like good family, friends, Indians, there are a lot of mostly Indians, especially from Caroline, the Gulf countries. If you go, you don't need to know English or Arabic. You just need to know your mother tongue, which is Malayalam. <laughs> Someone or the other is a Malayali over there. So it's a nice place. You know, I think it's a super nice place. At that time, I did not enjoy it because my internal world was not good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But when I look at it now, when I go to Qatar, now it's a beautiful place. You can just be there. It's nice. And because of the World Cup that's happening, they are having a huge infrastructure change. It's nice. Yeah. Lots of uh, uh, exposure for sports and everything. They promote all that. So a lot of good gymnasium. They're building a lot of awesome sports stadiums and all that. Like Mm. top class amenities at a very cheap rate you will get. Like world, world class amenities you will get over there nice yeah yeah so yeah so we decided to leave um Qatar and uh, come back to India for for me to get a better treatment. So there was uh, one doctor in Kerala. He's from NIMANS, the National Institute of Mental Health, which is supposed to be the second best in the world. So he graduated from there with some gold medal or something like that. And he's been a practicing. Gold medal? Yeah, you yeah like the topper in the class. Medal? Yeah, the topper in the class get gold medals.
0: I didn't know you get a gold medal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I think so. You get. <laughs> I, yeah, a
2: gold.
0: <laughs> I mean, but a doctor getting a gold medal for being topper in the class. Okay, I mean, yeah. I'm not mad about. You. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Governmental <laughs> <medal> certificate, something <laughs> who gets
1: so? <sober>? Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, he he was very famous in Kerala. Supposed to be the best. So I was taken to him, and uh, what he said was, it's only because of the Western medication. Prozac is something in the US. It is mostly used. So we can use the Indian variant of that. So he just put me. He did not change much. He just put me on the Indian variant of did that. You know? But at least a lower dose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: because i think in qatar i was given a very high dose like super high dose but here i was put in a lower dose but here i would like to tell something uh which most people don't say like whenever i see in the media what people show is going to a psychiatrist is like a very comforting process you just go there you sit and talk but that was not the experience for me it was a very bad experience not only for me but for my parents like when you book an appointment you're told you come at let's say come at 11 am okay so doesn't mean you get to meet the doctor at 11 am you go sit there there are like 20 30 people waiting over there you don't know when he will call you so you're just sitting there for 2 to 3 4 hours simply hours yes hours are there just too many people? Or like... No, there's no structure there. Like he calls whoever he wants. Let's say some random uh, someone with medication. What do you call a sales representative? come. They will go first. He'll talk with them. And so it's not like a proper appointment. It's not a proper appointment. I don't know why he was doing that, but it was not there. So it was a harrowing experience. Let's see. See, I'm having an issue. So my mom is stressed out. Okay. She just wants a solution. That's why she's bringing her kid there. Mm-hmm. Now there they are not telling her when he can see the doctor or when and especially the receptionist they have this power thing like we decide who goes in i don't know whether it was a doctor like they have this thing so my mom needs to cajole with them and talk with them hey my son is like this it's okay i was just thinking like the kind of power things that going on over there and even when you met the doctor there was this one thing like you want to share something very personal with the doctor right so there will be two students with him sitting two Mm. like you know and and I once remember my mom wanted to say like something and the doctor started laughing and they, and these two kids who were sitting them also started like making fun of it. Now that is a very harrowing experience, you know, my mom, I, when I look at it, like she's there and all this because I once remember even on this doctor's medication, I had a seizure. So I, the entire thing that I left Qatar and came here was to avoid all these issues with me. So again, when I had a seizure, I think, I, my mom, I don't remember this properly, but my mom said I actually got angry on the doctor. Oh. Yeah, he was like, it's not because of the medication. I was like, how can you say that? You know, you put me on this medication and I'm still getting this. Then what nonsense are you telling me? You're not seeing me on time. So I actually got angry on him.
0: Hmm.
1: And at that time, I had some bruises on my face because when I fell unconscious, I was playing basketball at that time. I just fell on the ground oh yeah and so I had some bruises so actually the doctor was not looking me on the face because he was feeling a little guilty or something that's what my mom said I don't remember it properly I was in my uh, 11th standard so maybe 16 16. or 17 yeah Mm. yeah yeah that all so that's one thing but uh, so this was happening on one level and uh, I I returned uh, some of the fun things that were coming so I came back to India so this was the first time I was in a school with girls Oh. oh yeah finally <laughs> that Look was a good you. day yeah
2: <laughs> so,
1: so uh that was there and uh one thing i think that supported me a huge way during this time was playing basketball mm. so i lived in a flat compound where there was a small basketball court where i could play basketball so even when I was going through all these issues, I would every day go there, I, I made a few friends and I learned to play basketball. So du- during this entire time, when I look back at it, it was not the medications, it was not the psychiatrist, it was just that I still kept myself somewhat physically active during this process. Uh, even though I was facing a lot of issues, I just did not get stuck up at home because what happens I see is a lot of people who take this medication, they just stay at home and start eating a lot of food. They start getting bulky and uh, the medicines have this effect of making you lethargic and sleepy. That was happening with me also. But I always like to play a lot. That was something that I wanted to do from a young age. But I am not so athletic. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to go for 100 meters. But I, I, could only, I was like an average runner. I was neither a good runner or a bad runner. I was an average runner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how I was. So playing basketball was something that finally I found I was good at. And... Uh, Help me go through this phase like even i remember in school from being a class stopper i was stopper in qatar when i came back to india i was like the last i was the last rank. yeah i was the last rank. yeah i was like i i i totally stopped studying i remember when i used to go to exam i would just take a pen with me (laughs) just take a pen like i would know whether it's filled or not i would just sleep in the room i would just write one answer and i started getting two out of 50 and that's it Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. I still remember, like, when I passed one of my exams, all my friends in India were like, oh, you passed. Oh, that's great. (laughs) From being a topper to that. So I was like, internally, like, oh, what's happening? Like, I was not enjoying all this. But life was getting very, very hard. And I did not know how to do this. No one was able to help me. I was seeing a psychiatrist. He was giving a lot of pills. My parents are also not able to figure out what's happening. Somehow, I think a few good friends was there in the flat compound i stayed and somehow i managed to you know just get through it that's what i can remember about it so yeah so then i went to college i joined for engineering like i did not have like my dad was an engineer so so i didn't know what to do so mm-hmm. I don't blame my parents for putting me into engineering. I also had no idea what I wanted to do in life. So that's like, you want to do engineering? Yeah, like, yeah, fine. So in India, there's this thing like, I was not good at that studies. I was not doing well. You can get a management seat. Like, uh, in management seat means if you pay a certain amount, you get a seat. So you just need to donation. get a yeah donation. Yeah. What's that seat mean now? Okay. See, it means you get a sure assured seat for a particular course in that college.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Like, you get to be in the class. Mm-hmm. Yo, so I just need to get the minimum marks in my passing exam. That's it. So I can then... So that's how I got into engineering. And... um it was another level of freedom you know away from parents and all those things with my new friends but i was still on these medications like cocktail of medications like you know like this is how it happens with in my personal experience this has happened like when you take the medications you feel good for some time but again Something or the other. External situations will keep on changing. You get stressed because... Of, I got stressed because of that. You go to the doctor. You say something. Oh, that's what happening. He will change the medications in a certain way. He'll give... If you say... If you have anxiety, he'll add something for anxiety. If you say you're not getting sleep, he'll add something for sleep. If you say you have too much sleep, he'll add something for not getting too much sleep. So it's always plus one. It's always plus minus. And I still remember... There was a particular... In India, it's very easy to actually get medicines. If you simply have a prescription, you go and give. You get most of the antibiotics. Almost everything for very easily in India. There was this one time like he gave me a medication which you actually don't get very easily. He gave me a particular yellow slip which looked very shady and when you (laughs) went to the prescription he's like oh you need this medication? So it's that kind of I think it must be that kind of toxic medication. Mm. Yeah. It's later I realized that you know the only effect that psychiatric medications have is side effects. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only effect. I didn't know it then but still I think people need that because at a certain time like I said not everyone can you know focus on themselves and do something so it might be helping a lot of people so yeah so I went to college and so again a lot of issues started popping up in college also because what happened was uh, I would sit and sleep in the classes Mm. it's not like I would sleep for at the last like let's say college starts a lot of periods happen mostly kids sleep at by the end right but I would sleep from the beginning I would just sit and sleep yeah and I would sit and sleep in the front bench <laughs> yeah because I was like I, I'm in college I want to study so I'll go and sit there but that side effect of the medication is so much that I would just dose off uh-huh. I still remember one time like the teacher came to me like what are you doing I looked at her and like, I'm like <laughs> I, I <against laughs> the dose. so that's like proper insult and, Indi- and in India I don't know whether in Kerala in an engineering college professors want a lot of respect they expect a lot of respect from a student mm-hmm. and some some professors. So a kid blatantly like sleeping, that's like an insult to them. In the front row. Yeah, in the front row. So this led to a lot of issues where they started like this guy's an arrogant guy. He's not, he's simply sleeping. He's just not doing anything. When I was not like that, I within me, I was just like a simple guy. I, I did not want to offend them or anything. I, I was not like that rebel kind of guy or anything at like that time. So this led to a lot of issues in college and uh, I still remember one time they called my father to the PTA meeting and uh, the the professor was asking, like, oh, your kid is like this, like this, why is he doing like that? And at that time, the the kid within me, I expected my dad to tell him like he's facing so and so issues, that's why he's doing it. But he didn't say that. So, mm-hmm. I remember myself sitting and crying over there in front of the teacher and my dad. But I st- now I understand from my dad's perspective, he he would not know. This is the first time he's experiencing such a thing. But I expected that. But later on, uh, what happened is, uh, there also I used to play basketball. And again, the same thing. I blacked out one day. I'm again in the hospital. So, that's when some of my professors realize, you know, I am on certain... Like, I'm taking certain something, medication, one of my professors realized. And later I told my parents also, you need to talk with my teachers. I can't handle it over here. I really can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't live on a day-to-day basis of, you know, acting in the class, doing so many things and trying to study at the same time. It was getting so hard for me. Like I was, I literally broke down. So my relatives came, they talked to all the professors and all. And that's when one of the professors over there said, you know, there's this one a psychologist. So apparently one of the professors in college, he had certain mental issues and he went to the psychologist and that's how it got sorted. So, okay, so we decided, okay, there's no other option anyway, because by that time I was told I could neither ride a bike, I can uh, not go alone anywhere and all these things. Okay, you might black out? Yeah, I means I might black out because it is this thing, once you have three seizures, there's a possibility that you can get seizure for your lifetime. So you need to be super careful. You need always to have someone accompanying you. Like
0: you'll just be permanently in a seizure?
1: Like you might be doing some random things. You might be working in the kitchen. You might be driving. So let's oh, say you're driving. I like you, it could just happen anytime. If it happens... You could fall into an accident, let's say you're swimming, you have a seizure, you might drown, Mm -hmm. right? So it's very dangerous for someone who is having a seizure to be alone. So that was like very limiting for me at that life because I, I wanted to ride bikes. I wanted to do all of these things. So that's when they told like there's a psychologist. And apparently he was also graduated from NEMATS and he also had a gold medal. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to him. So he was the first person who told me like, you do not need psychiatric medications. It's actually not needed. It's one of the worst things that you can put into your body. I was like, what? Till now, all the psychiatrists, all the doctors I have seen have never told me this they have always told me like medications are the thing you have a chemical imbalance so my mom and like we did not believe him much but my dad was like no we need to go to this person it's fine and for me i was the kind of guy like when someone when i commit to something i commit myself fully even if i do not believe in it even if i do not know what it is i like okay i'm here let me do it so i did not believe him i did not trust him but I used to go for him for therapy and for sessions like once in a week. Initially, it was like seven days continuous and then once in a week. And he would give me certain exercise, biofeedback, so many things. And you need to understand that I was told by my psychiatrist I needed to be lifelong on medication. That Mm -hmm. this is it. And within two months, I was out of all my medications. Oh, wow. Completely out. And uh, that was like a wake-up call for me. Oh. In a good way? Like you didn't need it anymore? No, I did not need it anymore. I was totally of the medications I was you need to understand like these are like top doctors who have told me like there is no other way other than medications and I, I met neurologist and met psychiatrists from multiple you know the best places and they have never told me this option and here I was just doing some simple exercises and some simple therapy and I was on my medications mm. so that was like a big thing for me and uh, at uh, that time i had many back papers for my engineering and all so and i just cleared off all my back papers after this <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, do you need to take a break
0: no no uh, so uh in case you can't see on the camera uh, my mom's dog is just here okay. he uh when he was a puppy someone um They were having some pest issue. Okay. And so the pest control people told them to just put poison outside. Mm. But people walk their dogs. And so uh, my dog came and just ate some of it. Okay. Which is problematic (laughs) to eat poison. So we had to take him to the uh, vet and do all this stuff. And they said there's like some slight damage to his nerves. Okay. So when he sleeps, he has these like twitchy shakes. Okay. Okay. So Shrav's just calming him. Oh, I didn't see that I don't yeah, it's always. it's kind of subtle at first. Okay, you kind of see the okay. feet twitch and stuff okay. anyway yeah. speaking of seizures <laughs> yeah right um so uh you've throughout this whole journey you've uh talked about like your mom and dad could you just kind of just describe what kind of people they are like give a picture of like yeah. You, I mean, you mentioned that, like, it's a conservative family, right? Yeah. But more, like, who yeah. are they? Who are they? So, my dad, uh, he he was brought up in a
1: village. His dad uh, was a very... He had a government job. And my dad, from a young age, he was the eldest in the family. So, mm-hmm. there was a lot of responsibilities on him. So, from a very young age, he knew he had to take it up. He, he went to an engineering college, he studied. And for him... Uh, he studied in North India. He's from the southern part of India. But he studied in an engineering college in the northern part of India. So at that time, going from South India to North India, all alone, he went all alone. That was not something that most people do. Most people stay with their family nearby. So, so it must be like a language thing too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he went language, food. And it's not like today where you can just pick up a phone and call them. You can video call them. Those things not existed. Once he took the train... You went there. Only once you reach there, you have to book a call or you have to send a letter. Mm-hmm. Only if you send a letter, your parents will know that you have reached <laughs> there. Today, I'm here in US. I'm just a phone call away. Like, hey, mom, I reached here. That's it. Mm-hmm. Your mom knows they can see you on the phone. They can check my Instagram page. Everything. They know what I'm doing. At that time, it was not like that. But he took that. So from there, because he, he, was, from, he was not from a very financially well- Family or anything you know, from a very normal family. He's in a village, right? Yeah, a village. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's a village like? I Even I don't know that. Like, what's a village? Oh, yeah. He didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like he's a very he's a very silent person. He's a very like oh, what do you call it? very calm, composed. Like I do all these yoga practices to get a little bit of, you know. But I've heard say, I don't know, like Sadhguru says, you no, know, like when you sleep on the bed, you should go in three seconds. Like I've seen him doing always that. He goes to the bed, he's off, he's gone. So within him he's always like that. So no matter what happens in life, he I don't see him getting ever stressed out unless it's related with me. Whether it's with his work, whether whatever happens, he doesn't get stressed or anything. Like he's the kind of person, like you know, he goes to work. At let's say five five a.m. That's how the government jobs in Qatar work. Five a.m. and it ends by some two p.m. That's how much only he'll work. He wants. Yeah. (laughs) And he won't take any calls after that. Rest of the time it's for his family. Even if some office call comes, he'll say, No, this is not my time. I've done my work, that's it. And he's very super efficient with his working. He he's he has this integrity. Like he's very he has that thing. Like, let's say he says uh, let's say there's a function say somewhere at 2pm he's the kind of person who will reach there by 1.30pm he values other people's time so so much so me, for me when I come to Isha and something this is the first place where I see okay something happens on time because what happens is since I have grown up seeing him I also follow time. When someone says a certain time, I try to reach there on time. And I value other people's time. But what I notice is when I reach somewhere, no one is there. Only I am there. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's kind of like frustrating. Okay, what am I doing here? They're like, why did you come on time? Yeah, why did you come on time? That's (laughs) not what So, for me, he's that kind of person. Mm, He has this very feminine touch to him. He's not very like, he's not like the man who's like of man. man he's not like that so I've grown up seeing him like when when I've fallen sick he would be the one taking care of me when I'm having fever he would put you know like the wet cloth on me he mm-hmm. would feed me with his hands so that's what I've seen him but now when I look back at it I've I'm not been so nice on him because my idea of a dad would be from movies very tough I'm like dad why are you not like this why are you not into cars? Because even when he went to buy a car, he wouldn't want the best car or anything. He'd be like, why do I need a car? I don't need a car. Like he would he doesn't even wear a watch. He's like, why do I need like it's okay. He he is very simple. He's not fifty cent. Yeah, he's not fifty cent. <laughs> he's not fifty cent. He's very simple. He's very grounded. And he he just wants his family, like whatever I'm enjoying today, whatever the financial stability we have today, it's only because of his, uh, his his how 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 hard he has worked and how he has saved money. He has very practical outlook towards life and yeah, that's a little bit about my dad. I don't mm-hmm. know whether I was able to convey a yeah,
0: <laughs> picture. Yeah. So, what would you say is like uh, valuable things that you got from him? Like things you appreciate, especially looking back.
1: Mm, now, when I look back at it, I appreciate that how like living simple and uh how how simply he lived i think that's what i appreciate like even though he made a lot of money he did not give so much importance to the materialistic aspects in life he gave importance but for him taking care of the family like taking care of his loved ones this was what was important to him and uh like like one thing is valuing other people's time and you know reaching it might looks very small but I think these are things. These are the small things that I appreciate now when I look back at him. Because seeing at him, this somehow it has been. Even though I was a rebel at that time, I did not like it. Somehow it has been instilled within me, and the amount of love he has given me, uh, the care, and how he has taken care of my mom. And uh, yeah, these are like. And one thing is, he would always help other people, and he would never talk about it. Like I've seen him helping people in need. Maybe it's in the form of money or maybe it's in the form of, you know, recommendation or whatever, but he would never tell it to any, even to my mom, he wouldn't tell it only to me. He would say like, you know, this I'm doing is like, so he was that kind of person. So that is something that has inspired me, you know, doing something doesn't necessarily mean I have to tell it or, so these are the small, small things that uh, I feel really proud of my dad for. <laughs> and and what about your mom? Mom. Yes, Mom. <laughs> my mom and I had like a little bit of rocky relationship because you know because of this dependence uh, on her but (laughs) is it okay that we have a rocky relationship yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: but we have worked on it a lot now like now it's not fully there but still you know because of these issues like okay let me give a picture of my mom so my mom uh, is a housewife so she has taken care of me like like now when I look at it, being a housewife is so hard. Like you know, waking she, still she does. Like even before I even with all this yoga, I'm not able to wake up. I wake up by 7.30. But till today, my mom wakes up by four thirty five. She cooks all the food. She does so many things, and I'm not able to figure out how she's able to do it. And she does it with so much happiness because she's doing it for her family. Mm. So that is the one thing that I'm so inspired by. You know, she she really, really loves her family and she's willing to do whatever. Like, even today when I get a little stressed out, she wants the best for me. So, initially she was not into this yoga and she was like, what is this yoga? You should not do it. It's some baba good thing. But once she realized it's good for me, now, even when I get a little bit stressed, she said, you are getting stressed. You need to do your yoga more. Mm. So, that is the kind of love she has for me. So, she's like, so a little bit about my mom. Yeah. Why did I miss this out? So, they are four sisters, okay? You have four sisters? No, my mom is like four sisters. Oh, one okay. twin and two elder sisters. Gotcha. So, they were also born in a village. But their father was, I think, he was kind of like very liberal at that time. At that time, you know, women were not given so much freedom. But he gave total freedom to these four kids. Mm. So, they, they grew up like men. You know, they really? they would take care of everything in the family, they would, they would, they, our uh, uh, granddad's home had a big river in front of it, so they had a big boat and also these girls would row the boat, they would pick people, they would bring them back, they would milk cows, they would do farming, they would take care of everything, so they were grown up like physically intensely and they have done so many things so my mom has that kind of you know getting things done attitude like if you want to get something done she gets it done Mm. so she has that kind of thing and she's um, uh, she's very able like she can get things done that kind of thing is there within her but at the same time she's loving she's caring so it's a combination of both so yeah so that's a bit about my mom I don't know. I'm thinking like what else to say about my mom. There are so many things, but it's not coming into my head now.
0: <laughs> so what? Beyond uh, yeah the family, mm-hmm. what what she like to do just for her? Do you know what she like to do for her? So that's the thing. Like I haven't seen her. She
1: just likes to watch movies with us. Sometimes she likes to go on trips. Oh, that's the thing. I I have asked mom like she likes cooking a lot. She likes to try out new new dishes. She checks out YouTube nowadays. She checks dishes. Yeah. Yeah. She get
0: into YouTube. Yeah,
1: yeah. She likes driving a lot. She likes to you know when I was a kid she learned driving, so she she likes to drive. So she would take us to school. She would take us back. She 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 wanted to always have that independence. Yeah, this is the thing. She she wanted this thing that. uh she, I think she actually wanted to study to such an extent where she could get a job and, you know, do something. But that didn't happen for her because the time she studied, her teachers were so, not so good. They instilled this kind of fear in her, like you study this, that. They used to punish them a lot. So mm. she developed this hatred for studies. So what happened was she could not study to such a level. She has an MA in literature, a very good degree. But I think she wanted to have such a kind of a job where like maybe let's say a police officer or let's say someone influential where you could do something for society or something. She could not make that happen for herself. So I think she tried to do that with me. Mm-hmm. You know? she well, Because she could not study like that. Look at all your <laughs> followers. <laughs> So, so that was the thing within her. And I think she still, I think she maybe wants to do that. I don't know. I haven't asked her. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so that's what she wanted to do. And, but when I look at it, she, she's already doing that. She's just not figuring it out. She has so much influence over so much people who comes in contact with her, with the people who she meets. It's there. Even what I do, I still look at her, how she interacts with people and how she, she has this, I call her a detective, like, you know, because she has this very keen sense when someone is lying to her or someone is having, doing some fake thing she immediately understands. So it makes it very hard for me to lie at home. <laughs> if I want to go out somewhere without telling her, she's like, what are you trying? so It's very, very hard for me. So, yeah, that's how my mom is like. Do really, you think that made you a uh, up- like not very good at lying or better at lying very bad at i can't lie i'm 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 naturally very bad at lying so when someone like my mom is there it makes it even harder for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: um and so you said when you were in qatar you were in like an all-boys school right yeah what was that like for you like, I, I know there's no girls around, obviously, but like the just the general experience of it, because like I've never been in a oh. school like that. It's awesome in one way, yeah. because I
1: think when I now when I studied in um, uh, girls, I've studied with girls also. So no offense on girls, please. I'm just saying my <laughs> this thing. <laughs> there's a little bit, a lot of gossip and, you know, this thing that happens in your like what I notice if two women, let's say they have fought, they have some issues with each other. This happens with men also, I'm sure. Maybe the kind of men I dealt with did not do that. What I noticed is some of my friends, what they would do is they want more support for them. Each of these girls would want more support for them. So said you I don't, yeah, you side? So they will come to each of us and they're like, you know, this girl did like this. She's not mean. You should not talk to her. So initially, I was not able to figure this out. Like, what's happening over here? Hmm. So this kind of issues doesn't happen with boys. If there's a fight, we fight it out. We beat each other and that's done. So that's how in a boys, uh, when I studied, we would have big fights, but at the end of the day that's over maybe they would take us for some punishment the next day we would or but when I'm trying with, uh, when there are women, there's a lot of social niceties and different kind of things, which I was not good at. Mm. I did not know how to manage these things. You try and fight them. <laughs> I did not. I did not try to fight them. But I later realized, okay, there is a, another way of dealing with things also. It's not just by fights or just the, the masculine way, but there's a very feminine approach, talking out things, listening to people, mm. because that's, that was not something I'm used to we're going to like oh come on man let's do that let's play something let's do this so studying with boys that's that's been my experience mm. yeah especially in engineering college also i was in all men's uh, i took mechanical engineering so in that batch Excuse me. there are only men so that is supposed to be like when there are more men you know like it's like the royal mech we call ourselves because there are only men a royal mech (laughs) (laughs) because what happens is in college the other batches will have a lot of it will be 50-50 let's say electrical electronics and all these other engineering streams will have a lot of women in them so let's say sometimes college fights happen between batches Mm. so no one picks up a fight with the mechanical engineering (laughs) because we are naturally muscle power is more right we are more men Huh. so it's always like we are the man we are the best it's a very unhealthy thing now when i look at it a <laughs> lot of unnecessary issues a lot of unnecessary male thing it's always good to have a lot of women that's what now when i look at it there are a lot of beautiful women around me that keeps me very grounded But <laughs> at that time it was not there because i'm sure uh, when i look back at it a lot of issues of mine could have been solved if i had a good female friend who i could talk and share my things with mm. I think a lot of men do not find that in their life. They do not find uh um a women because with men I don't think like with Hitana, you I share a lot of things. We have that kind of bond between us where I can share anything with you. But I think the kind of movies we see and the kind of things that men are expected to do. I think from a young age, I think no guy is told that, you know, you can share your feelings with other men. It's bad to cry. You should be muscular. You should be like this, like this. So, How are you going to fight if you cry? Yeah. So <laughs> many things. So I think, uh, if there is a female friend, then a lot of things are taken care of. I think a lot of such things. Yeah. Mm. So it's good
0: and bad in a... <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Were there any... Um friends or teachers or anybody at either the uh, qatar school or when you came to kerala that like made a big impact on you yeah so uh,
1: i think uh uh in my engineering college once my hod uh, binu binu sir he came to know What's that,
0: Judy? What? Is that the person?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Bino, Bino, sir. Yeah, head of the department. Yeah, Judy. Head of the ah, department, okay, okay. The dip, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Bino, you know, sir, and his wife. They came to know, they were very supportive. Like, they came to know about my issue. They would do things for me. Even the other professors also. Like, I'm seeing, see, all humans are, I think, basically good. Once they, all professors are also good. So, once they came to know that I have facing certain issues, they, there was a hot, lot of support they gave me. Mm-hmm. Like, all these professors, I told not they want respect. But... I think deep within them also, they are very nice people because they also might have felt guilty that, you know, like, oh, we didn't know he was facing such an issue. So once they came to know about all this, there was a lot of support from them, whether it was my attendance, whether it was telling me tuitions, where to go to, there was a huge support from them. So Mm -hmm. that's how I was able to actually complete my engineering because I I would not have got my degree. So, yeah, it's been, they have been very supportive, actually.
0: What kind of things did they do? Like, uh, if you had to give an example.
1: Yeah, if I give an example, let's say there's a need for attendance like you know you need a certain percentage of attendance Mm -hmm. in order to write the exam you need a certain internal marks then only it is easy for you to pass so once they came to know that i had certain things let's say i had to go to the psychologist or anything they would be okay for me to not come to the class they would be very supportive it's okay you can attend it later it's fine you go meet the psychologist so because because it might be a small thing but for someone like me who is struggling that's a huge help you know to know that there are people who are supporting me because from the previous situation where i'm worried oh i'm skipping class what will they think they'll harass me to now where they are hugely supportive it's a very very huge difference for me Mm. yeah (laughs) um
0: okay so with all that context now you got to the point where you're saying you you got with that psychiatrist and you're now off the medication yeah, yeah so then what oh then what
1: so i always had this thing that i wanted to do something for people or society or something like that so i started and now here i was from fully on medication to not on medication and i was like what and i had passed me I was like what's happening like i was told like this so there must be millions of people who must be on this medication and they might not need it so i started reading a lot of by psychiatrists by psychologists to understand what is all about and I realized there's a huge gap you know and there's a lot of misinformation and all these things so I wanted to tell people but at that time I I hadn't shared my story and uh, so I thought maybe the best way to put out this information is if I become a psychologist myself because a psychologist has helped me so my natural train of thought was if I become a psychologist I can help other people (laughs) So I wanted to become a psychologist. At that time, I was working in Qatar for some time. Doing uh, what? Uh, just a regular job. My dad got me a job because he had some references, so he got me a regular like a job <laughs> in, a, in an oil company. I was just doing paperwork and Ooh, all that. <laughs> nice. Oil company. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a, it's good pay also. <laughs> yeah. It seems so fancy because I've never had like I've had all kinds of jobs, but yeah. none of them have been anything corporate or anything. <laughs> nothing like that. So <laughs> no context. It's nice because already my fa- it's not
1: uh, already my family is there so I have a car where I can go to office (laughs) in Vietnam eating good food coming back but something within me was not fulfilled it was Mm -hmm. a good job good pay I had my family I could just have gone but something within me was like "Mm, this is not mm, this is not what I want to do so I thought being a psychologist is something that I could you know help people So I left that, uh, not left that, my job term got over. So maybe I could have got another job there, but I was like, I need to try at least this. So I came to Gujarat and Gujarat is a state in India, like I think is in the western part of India. So there I got into this institute called Gujarat Forensic Science University. I think it was set up by the Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi. So uh, I got there as a neuropsychologist. And, uh, yeah, I went there, I was thinking like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, study, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make a lot of change, <laughs> because I was going with that kind of intention, okay, mm-hmm. but, uh, there were a lot of pretty girls over there, this was the first time <laughs> <laughs> Distracted <laughs> So, so I fell in love with this uh, one girl, and, uh, and I'm the kind of person I get really involved with something, you know, like it was just a very small, like two month only, but I got really involved with her to the to the extent that I wanted to
0: marry her. That was oh, like, yeah. So and how I quickly didn't, did you feel that you want to marry her? Yeah. How long had it like did you know her and then you decided? To just maybe like two weeks. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it. Young love. Yeah.
1: Uh, This is the girl I'm going to marry. So, and I didn't tell something about my family. From a young age, I've been told by my mother, you will marry the girl I choose from the same caste. (laughs) uh, Like, even before I knew that I have to marry girls, I've been told this by my mom. (laughs) So that's been conditioned. (laughs) And here I am marrying a girl from north of India. I mean, fall in love with a girl from north of India and decide to marry her. That was like... Like totally unacceptable. And at that time, I was totally dependent on my parents, like emotionally. Mm. Emotionally, I was like their approval was needed for me to do anything
0: in my life. So when I came back home... At this point, were you still asking your mom, like, is it okay? That kind of stuff. No, that kind of stuff had gone. You let up. Yeah, okay. that, that kind of stuff had gone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff totally went with the medication actually because the medication totally bonks you up. Mm. There are no thoughts or like that. So gotcha. it just... Actually, that had shifted... From my mom to that doctor at that time. Oh, okay, okay. Because now she was the main person for me.
2: She's, then it shifts to the other psychiatrist. She's the gatekeeper.
1: Yeah, it it shifted like that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so I fell in love with this girl, and I came back home. I told my mom, she was like, "No, this can't happen." Okay wrong, caste too, wrong uh, This, n- not a wrong cast like North India <laughs> that's not <from> something <laughs> okay. like, they have
2: like completely different caste types
1: yeah oh it's not even like yeah. compatible yeah it's not even like you can't even check compatibility <laughs> it's like I can't even have a problem with this because it's too different <laughs> yeah it's too so different yeah that kind of thing so and it was in this moment my entire anxiety and depression came back in like hundred times fold back when your mom said yeah when my mom said like i could not get something i could not be with the girl that i wanted to be it because till then i was telling myself the anxiety issues the depression issues i was facing was because of the side effect of the medication now Mm. since the medication is gone i will not face it that was my internal confidence that was the thing that i was going that i'll become a psychologist and help people but now here i was as a psychologist studying And my anxiety was back. I was not able to wake... I was not able to sleep. Mm. Even if I sleep and I wake up, my hands are shivering. Like, literally shaking. I'm like, waking up like, what the hell is... You know?
2: And
1: I was... And I developed a fear of women also at that time. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. You know, I I said, no, I meant to a psychologist who helped me. Who helped me come off these medications. Like, it's truly great what he did for me. And I really appreciate that. But when this issue came into my life... (laughs) He told me, like, you should not be with the girl. She's not good for you. Like, maybe he looked at what was good for me at that time, maybe. But it happened in such a way that I developed a fear for all women. Oh. Like, whenever someone, a girl would come near me, I'm like, oh, no, she's to wanted to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I could not look at women. And it was, I could literally see my mind going bonkers. Like, you know, I'm like, what the hell is happening? Um, I know this is not right. Why am I developing fear of women? But it's there. So what do you do? I just, at that time I remember, I almost quit the course. I told dad, I can't stay here. And he's like, okay, come back. I took a flight back and I came back home. And then I put a John Rambo movie, oh, uh, no, no, Rocky movie, sorry, Rocky, movie, Rocky. Rocky movie. And Rocky is like, you should not give up. I'm like, I'm not giving up. I'm going back. Sylvester so <laughs> yeah. Stallone. I went back. I, I took a membership for the gym and on the way to the gym, I again saw the girl who, because this doctor had told me, see, breakup is fine. But this doctor had told me, like, you should not even talk to her. You should not even see her. That is literally impossible when you are in a college with that girl, right? Yeah. But for me, whatever that doctor said at that time was like God's word. Because Mm -hmm. he's the one who has... So did you just turn around and walk away? Yeah, I turned around and walked away. (laughs) (laughs) But she came behind me. She caught my hand. And this gave me a panic attack and all. Because this was the first time in my life I was facing a panic attack. Because I remember I at that like, time like because she touched you. At that time no, but there was this another instance where I was sitting for an exam, uh, like during this phase only, and she came and touched me and said, "Good luck, Vaishak." That's it. I remember. Finished. Finished. And I am writing my exam. I literally remember my heartbeat increasing. My I am just going like I am not able to figure out what's happening, and I am uh. like, "Calm down, calm down. It's okay, nothing. You are not." I felt like I am going to die, but I am like. You're not all gonna digest is well. yeah, yeah
0: well. <laughs> listen like,
1: well. focus on your breath and I just focus on my breath and somehow I came back I don't know i mm. I had a panic attack and that was the worst thing that has ever happened in my life I st- still remember it very vividly that bench I'm sitting in she coming and touching me and all those things <laughs> So, this was happening. I was catching my flight, coming back home. Then again, watching Rambo movie or something, getting going back in. Luckily, that college was not so strict with attendance. So, I could do this. And I literally remember, you know, Sadhguru gives us this akashik Sadhana, right? Where we look up and like, please, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember somehow, I don't know, naturally that intelligence came with me. I would Before going into college, I was like, thank you for giving me this day. And something happened where... She, She got some placement. She went away from that college for some job and some other women came into my life. Some Now when I look back at it, that's why I said needing women is very important. So these girls around me, my very close friends now, they understood that I was going through a breakup. Mm -hmm. But they did not know how to support me. So what they did was they just took me around with them. They would take me to movies. I thought they didn't know, but they actually knew. They would make sure I had some activity to do with them. And in their company, I slowly recovered from it. Huh. they were very nice to me like so they, they were, created like the
0: supportive yeah they thing. created
1: without even me knowing because i was avoiding women but they understood like you know i there's something going with me and because i was when i reached the college i was very super active i was very fun loving i would talk with all the people i would be so like and they knew you at that point then then i became this guy who was avoiding everyone was not talking to everyone so Anyone could understand that there was some issue.
0: Mm.
1: But only these few friends of mine tried to help me. So I recovered slowly from that, like that. But there was something within me that understood okay, Vishak, you you have not gotten anywhere you what's the use of becoming a psychologist if you can't help yourself you haven't figured it out yourself so somewhere that was there within me so i finished that course and i wanted to do an uh, mphil in clinical psychology so only if you do an mphil in india can you actually practice to be a psychologist it means you know you mm-hmm. can uh, do that so i still remember when i got the uh, the call letter for the college uh, my cheeseburger is calling
2: me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I say really wants an American cheeseburger. Yeah, I want Probably a cheeseburger. Here. But these Hatha yoga teachers are all vegans. <laughs> <laughs> so I still remember I got that call letter. And again, I got stressed. Mm. This was something that I wanted to do. But when I got this call letter, I'm like, fuck, stress is coming again. How will I do this? How am I going to do that? And I'm like, this is not it. This is not cool. What the hell is happening? Now everything is fine. Uh, there's no girl to bother me. There is nothing. But still I'm getting anxious and stressed. At that time, I used to read a lot of books and I started Sadhguru's books I was reading. I was reading a lot of Sadhguru books and uh, you know. But even back then
0: you came across it?
1: Yeah, I don't know when exactly I came across. I think it was during that depression phase, you know, I started reading a lot of self-help books and somehow Sadhguru's books popped up, but it was not so much in my vision that, oh Sadhguru, oh he has a solution. That was not there within me. I, I would read a lot of books, let's say Robin Sharma books, you know, so many books I would read. And uh, again, I was, things were getting so much unsettled within me, so and uh there was this one book by Arundhati Subramaniam called More Than a Life. So in that, Sadhguru's all books are very logical. It's very up to like you can't. It's very like logically correct. But in this book, it uh, the line between logical and illogical was getting like they were talking about energies, Dhyanalinga, you know, energy sphere. And so I'm like, what the hell? Because I am someone when I take a book, I finish it within one day. I read it so fast. Oh, really? Yeah, I finished in one or two days maximum. But this book, it's been a week, two weeks. I'm not able to finish it. I'm not able to turn the pages. How come? I don't know. I'm not able to turn. I'm I'm reading this thing. This can't be real. Because at that time, I had read Autobiography of a Yogi and all these books. And a guru was someone for me who existed only in olden times. He's not someone who exists now. Not alive, right? Not alive. It's uh, like, they're all this is modern world. A guru can't exist here. It's, it's almost like a
0: story. It's a though. story. Yeah.
1: It's good to and like, I used to, I remember when I look back at it, I used to, when so much issues were happening, I would talk, please give me a guru. Like, is there someone I remember from auto, after I read autobiography of a yogi, uh, you know, you can go to their classes by sending them a letter. They will send you written notes or something and you just need to follow the exercise but i was finding it very hard to follow it because i was all alone there was no support system no one was doing any yoga around me no one was into meditation or spirituality so me alone sitting in my room reading this about uh, bhakti this thing i'm like what the
0: hell am i doing it's not working
1: i'm like please i need some genuine path
0: at that time what was your like idea of what like when you say i need a guru like what does that mean to you at that time
1: at that time, my idea of a guru was from this book called Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm-hmm. So, in that, uh, the the protagonist who has written... Uh, uh, what is his name? Oh.
0: Yogananda. Ah,
1: Yogananda Paramsa. His guru is Swami Sri Yukteswar. So, for me, uh, Yogananda Paramsa goes to his college. But every day, he comes and sits with his guru, talks with him, volunteers in his ashram, helps him with his work. And so, that's my idea of a guru, a very... A being of very powerful capabilities. But, capabilities, but at the same time, that is the book that grounded me that spirituality doesn't mean you are doing miracles or anything. It means you are doing yoga. Because in that book, it talks about a lot of miracles, things that we can say, people appearing here and there and all. But in the end, the... The author always talks about going into his room and doing his practices. Even his guru tells him, you just do your practices and whatever needs to happen will happen. So for me, my quest was basically to find someone who could give me these tools. Somewhere Hmm. within me, I wanted to find these tools, this Kriya Yoga. From that book, what I realized is Kriya Yoga. So I wanted to know Kriya Yoga. What is Kriya Yoga? That was my idea of, you know, a guru who can give me Kriya Yoga. But there is no Swami Sri Yukteswar. There is no Yoga Ananda Paramsa. But there are schools by him. So that's how uh, I called this uh, ashram. And like, I want to join. How can I join? Like, so they send me, you need to send uh, to our ashram in Ranchi. And from there, they will send you a written postal address. And it's very cheap. Like, just 10, 20 rupees for a lesson or something like that. Like, super cheap. Like, yeah. So that was my first encounter with, I think, a genuine spiritual book or something like that.
0: Was there any... um anything with yoga like at all in your when you were growing up yes <laughs> i forgot to tell about
1: this <laughs> so when i was facing these issues uh, all of these issues my parents took me my dad took me to this uh, place in kerala where this person was teaching me yoga so that was like very twisting yoga and so much yoga and i remember on the last day i was made to drink an entire tub of salt water and made to vomit it and then put a thread through my nose and do that. What, what? <laughs> thread. Drink the salt water and throw it up. And and, then... Yeah, clean my stomach and throw it up. Oh, and and I, I still remember I was told, this is good for your body. You should not eat anything right now. Okay, like, to this day, you have to fast because, you know, your chemicals have been cleansed. So, you I, had uh, chicken beer. And
2: <laughs> Something like that.
1: My, <laughs> my brother took me and he's like, come on, let's go eat. We had porota and chicken. <laughs> like, the most unhealthy food. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't work in the sense because at that time, yoga was taking... See, I was fully into studies. So during my vacation, when I came back to India, that was the only time I get to spend with my friends and play around. Mm. So here, when they put yoga, I saw yoga as something that took away my fun time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I do not know whether he was teaching me genuine yoga or whether the yoga was helping me. Because even while I was doing a, like this, is a waste of my time. I need to get back. I need to play. I am playing cricket with my friends. So that was my experience of yoga. For me, yoga was something like very taking away my fun time in my life just a boring thing to do that was my idea of yoga
0: mm-hmm. okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um throughout this whole process like you talked about those uh, women that kind of helped you yeah. get that support environment are there any other friends that had like a, a good impact on or even a negative impact you learned from something like that
1: maybe as I talk, I will remember right now. Mm-hmm. My, my cousins, my cousins, like I told my auntie, right? Like they've also been very hugely supportive of, you know, uh, because no one in the family has gone through such a thing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, when someone is going through a mental health, you know, you would, they would not say things which might have triggered me. You know, I might do some things which they might not have liked, but at the same time, they were very inclusive and, not telling me or you know trying to okay he's going through something let it be let him have his space maybe they might not I might have talked rudely to them I might have got suddenly angry with them maybe it's because of the medication or maybe it's just because of how, how I am but I still think they they kept their own likes and dislikes away so that you know I could recover and I could support so it's a, it's it's been all my friends my family my cousins they've all been a huge support in that way mm. yeah. okay <laughs> yeah.
0: So you you wrote to this ashram and you are reading all these books. And, yeah, and yeah. Went, yeah. Oh, and then yeah. So I am trying to do that, but that's
1: not working because the kind the letters they're sending now. When I look back at it, uh, how it works is I need to do something like Upa Yoga for like five six months. They they send a booklet with some yoga. Now when I look back, it's something like Upa Yoga.
0: Okay. Yeah. So if you don't know what Upa Yoga is, this is like um, they offer it at Isha, and it's it's sort of like. A great entry point if you don't know anything else it's safe anybody can do it and uh, it's still very effective but it's it doesn't require so much involvement in the teaching process you can learn it on youtube if you want
1: yeah so this booklets contain a little bit i know upa yoga or something like that and you need to do it for six seven months without fail and then only they will initiate you into kriya yoga Hmm. so i was trying it for two three days i'm like i'm doing a yo one two weeks i do but I'm not able to just do it.
0: So what did you like, so whatever they were having you do, how did you feel about it? Cause you'd already done this bendy twisty yoga, yes. right? Uh, that's what the thing. It's like reading from, it was too much effort. Uh, like you have to read the book.
1: You have to look at the instructions. You only have to figure it out. It was too much of a, I was not getting to an, I was so much frustrated and I was so many things were going on within me. I, I needed something fast. I was mm. used to like that because medicines give you that. When you take a medication pill, immediate effect or something, Ooh. it happens, yeah. Like, it is actually later I realized that some of the medications I have taken are actually categorized in the same level as LSD and all. Really? Yes, it is. It is that. Yeah, so it's actually, when you get a psychiatric, uh, what you call prescription, you can get something illegal very legally. It's <laughs> it's it's, it's, it, it's that potent that the medications that they give you. and And this is the thing see let's say uh, someone who is an alcoholic he knows his issue is alcohol so he has awareness that i need to slowly come out of my alcohol but when a doctor tells you this is a medicine even if you get some issue you do not know like you really do not know it's because of the medication so there is no awareness within you to understand that this is not my anxiety or stress this might be actually because of the medication Mm -hmm. like a simple google search if you just google search anxiety pills the first side effect that comes is the anxiety pills can for some people may cause an increase in anxiety oh that's fun Uh just what you want right yeah That's not like you don't take a medicine for your fever, which says that this can increase your fever, right? <laughs> Might increase two degrees. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's like that. Yeah. So where was I going with this? Yeah. With, uh, with the, yeah, with the practices. So I had left that practices. I would, uh, I was not following it. But yeah, Sadhguru's books. I was reading Sadhguru's, this Arundhati Subramaniam's book more than I like. I was not able to fill it. And the main thing happened was one day I was sleeping. And apparently something like the Dhyanalinga came in my dream. Really? <laughs> yeah.
2: It,
1: it, it was my Dhyanalinga. It's not Dhyanalinga in the actual. <laughs> but for me, I was in the Dhyanalinga dome. Ah, nice. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I need to be at this place. Some somehow something clicked within me which said if you sit in the Dhyanalinga dome everything
0: will be finished all your issues will be solved oh okay. so great dream yeah great dream <laughs> if you if you don't know Dhyanalinga is one of the temples at the Eastern yeah, Foundation yeah, yeah. <laughs> please google it <laughs> so now
1: now the next thing is how do I get to the ashram mm. so for people who don't know In India, the only time you go to the ashram is when you're leaving your parents and you want to be a monk. (laughs) And they don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, they don't like it. It's the worst thing that you can do. So how do I tell my parents that I want to go to the ashram? So but for me this was important, uh, I decided like things are not working within me whatever I'm trying to do all these medicines or even this psychiatric knowledge about medicine which I thought I you know I can help people if I can't help myself what is the whole use. So I sat with my parents and told them like I need to go to the ashram. They were like why why? I like don't worry I just want to see the place and come back you know I need a solution for myself and I just want to see. I want to, I told them honestly like I just want to explore this possibility. Like, before I go for my MPhil, I just want to explore this possibility. Because at that time, I was stressed. I had got that admission, but I was so stressed and that I said I need to do this. So they said, okay, you go and come. So... I was emailing Isha Foundation, so I thought, for me also, I didn't know what an ashram was, okay, so I messaged them, uh, I thought I needed some big spiritual experience, so I typed, I saw Dhanalinga in my dream, so please allow me to come, <laughs> I so I got a reply, <laughs> you just need to book a room and come, that's it, I'm like, oh, that's it, okay, <laughs> so I booked a, so,
2: <laughs> so,
1: so I booked a <laughs> nadi-, nadi cottage, requirement, you must already be enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I booked a three-day stay, three or four-day stay, and uh, I came back to Kerala along with my parents. I still remember I was so stressed that time, uh, like I became like that panicky kid, which I was at nineteen years old. I became like I I would sit with my mother, I would cry on her lap. Now I had finished my master's degree. I was like what twenty six, twenty seven, but. Because of my stress and anxiety, so much of my inner turmoil came back. Like, I became this fearful kind of person. Like, I couldn't move. I could. I had to be with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. ask. That That was returning. And I could literally see myself falling from here, 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 here. Like, crashing, crashing. Mm-hmm. And I could not stop the crash. The more I tried to stop the crash of me, it was going further. Like, there was nothing to hold. And i was like, what the hell? I am going back. There is nothing I can do. So... I, I remember in the flight also, for I was not able to sleep. I was so much panicky in the flight and all that. But s- somehow I managed to reach India. And yeah, and then, um, so I went to Coimbatore. I, I took a train and I went to Coimbatore. So my idea of I booked a cab from Isha Foundation so my idea of the cab driver was, I will be met by a spiritual cab driver yogi and yeah, yogi. Something like that was my own <laughs> idea. I think the cab driver was a regular guy. I'm not sure about this but somewhere I think that he actually talked me like why are you going to Isha Foundation it's a bad place you shouldn't go there. I think I'm not sure about it but I think <laughs> something like that happened. I'm like what the hell? <laughs> and when I reached the ashram also, So, it's very modern. Like, there's a check-in place. I'm like, what? (laughs) Check-in? There's people with desktop, laptop. There's a tag. I'm like, what's happening over here? What were you expecting? Like, thatch huts? Yeah, I was expecting a thatch hut leaving, like, very crude people doing yoga. (laughs) And uh, the one thing, like, even when I went to the room, it was, like, super neat. And there was a mosquito repellent. I'm like... Okay, they kill mosquitoes over here. I thought ashram, like, you know, <laughs> <bad. laughs> I
2: thought
1: ashram doesn't kill anyone. So these were my ideas. This is all getting broken over there. But my main idea is where is the Dhyanalinga? Where is the Dhyanalinga? <laughs> so uh, I just, I just they gave me this sheet of paper where they say the schedule and the entire map of the ashram is there. So I, uh, oh, this is the Dhyanalinga. So I went there. Okay, everything's gonna get solved. I went and sat. Nothing's happening. I guess I'm sitting here, nothing. I thought something will happen. Nothing is happening. I came out. I again went inside. I sat. Nothing is happening. So it's next day someone told me, like, you know, there's something known as Surya Kund. You take a dip in that and then you go to the dhyaling. I'm like, oh, oh that's oh, the trick. The, the trick. <laughs> and actually, I went into the Surya Kund and for the first time I felt so relieved. So for me, more than the Dhyaling, it's the Surya Kund that was so experientially taking that dip in the cold water suddenly my thoughts just went away and uh, I still remember I would hug the linga over there and I would cry like what's happening I don't know what to do like please help me I would just I would just go around I remember going to the Devi temple and there was some and and you need to understand like I was some person at at a certain point in my life I was against temples and all these rituals and what the hell is happening I become like that but here I was Whatever they told me, I was willing to do that. I was like, there's some offering, okay, okay, give me that. I'll do that. And there were some free yoga sessions also where they're teaching om meditation. And that was the first time I was initiated into om meditation. And they were like, oh, thank you so much for giving this. And they told me to do it for like 20 days. So I would sit and do it in my room. In the ashram only I would do for five minutes when I wake up, I would do before sleep, I would do. Uh, I told my parents that I would not use my mobile. So i switched off my mobile. I was walking barefoot. I, I don't know what, because I was just, I don't know what to do. Like no one told me, mm-hmm. like even, that's what I'm coming to. Like no one told me even when I was in the ashram that there's something known as inner engineering. So I was doing all these things and something happened in the bhiksha like the Biksha is a place where the ashram where you get food. So for me, my expectation of ashram was everyone was calm, peaceful. They would talk nice to you. So I ate my food in big hall and I was washing the plate. So the tap was open. You know, water was flowing. And in the ashram, they are very strict about you know you should not waste water because so many people. I did not know it, it was my first time. So this one lady beside me, she's looking. What the hell are you doing? You should not use it. And she was like, she scolded me like properly. I'm like, oh, I'm so. What's happening? Like why? Why are they scolding me? we <laughs> are <laughs> for the first time. So i was getting things which i was not expecting from the ashram but mm. at the same time eating the food over there being in that ambience a lot of my physical issues like my stomach problems all were getting solved but i did not come there for that i actually came there for to look to get some tool or to get some solution so while i was in the ashram I got a message from one of my friends, Jayakrishnan, who was with me for engineering, same batch. But he had he had not pursued his engineering and he had become a Hatha Yoga teacher. Oh,
2: really?
1: Yes. But he had never told me. I had been with the discussions with him, yeah, with him about Sadhguru and all. But I still remember he would never force on any of her friends about inner engineering or like you should come to the ashram or you should do that he would never but he sent me a message oh you are in the ashram so why don't you try inner engineering I'm like what is inner engineering so he's like yeah there's something happened in your city maybe you res-. and I was totally open I was like yeah why not let me do like I did not even check what is inner engineering I'm like okay program inner engineering I called <laughs> hello I want to register how do and I immediately registered So, and the main thing I did in the ashram was I did some shopping, I bought some copper bottles, I bought some rudraksh, like, and I came back home. And when I came back home, I realized that Inner Engineering was happening just like, uh, five minutes from my home. Like, yes, it's just nearby and I never realized it. How convenient. How convenient. So, even when I went for Inner
0: Engineering, like, it was just two days after, yeah. Before you get to Inner Engineering. Yeah. uh, when you spent, how long were you at the ashram? Three days, I think. Three days. Mm-hmm. And you did like om chanting and stuff. Jani, did yeah. you notice any difference from any of that? Uh, you said the Surya dip helped. Surya
1: Kun dip, like the being in the ashram was actually helping me a lot. It was, there was something there which was calming me down. But again, it was outside. All these processes were outside, like taking a dip in the surya kund is an outside process I can't have a surya kund in my home Mm -hmm. sitting in the dhyan linga is sehran I can't sit in the dhyan linga in my home so that's
0: not the tool you're looking for
1: yeah it was not at that time it was not the tool I wanted something so definitive that works within me or something I, I did not know what I was like now when I look back at it sitting in the Dhyanling only made it happen I think but then I didn't realize that for me then I was like oh something will hit me or something something that <laughs> <laughs> because autobiography of your yogi does that a bit in that it talks about a guru touching you here something opening here <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you know? yeah yeah so that one went. and Arundhati Ma'am's book also talks about Sadhguru in a different avatar Because it was during his initial days. So Mm -hmm. that's not how things work now, I think. So that was maybe my expectation from the ashram.
0: Gotcha.
1: Okay, so then uh, you saw inner engineering. Yeah, inner engineering also. I was like, like I said, when I... Give myself to something, I would totally give. So even the energy program happened. They said, I I did not even want to think about my mobile. So I kept my mobile in my home. I did not. It was just I just walked till the place, and I remember the volunteers greeting us with Namaskar. I'm oh, yeah, okay, good. And uh, I went inside. I sat. <coughs> and and uh, what did you know about this program? Nothing. Thing? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I did not know anything about inner engineering. Like zero, nil. I hadn't even checked Google or anything about inner engineering. My friend sent me this flyer. Even in the flyer. It was nothing written that it helps you with ranks anxiety. Something. inner engineering i just went
0: engineering school
1: it makes sense yes <laughs> yeah so so the teacher comes it was a swami so swami comes and uh, he talks about you know this is one thing that i think within me there was a search for a guru at that time so, so there's this thing that swami said in that introduction you know 100 years before if you wanted a guru you had to leave everything and go and uh, let's say even if you go you might not even find a guru you might that lifetime gone Mm -hmm. but let's say by luckily by chance you found a guru he will put you through 12 some 12 and a half years of heartbreaking sadhana and then only he will initiate you in something and that is what is being offered here for you at that time something clicked within me and like okay i've reached my place this is what i was looking for so long And he says, like, don't think about what's happening in the program or not. You just, whatever is asked of you, you do it, like, do it to your best. And for the next seven days, I remember I would do whatever was asked of me. I would, like, whether it was sharing or whatever was asked in the program, I would just give myself totally to it. And uh, initiation, the initiation day happened. A lot of things were happening. People were having experience. But I was just happy to be there. I was not hunting for something to happen or anything, but I was just happy to be there and be involved in the process.
0: Yeah. I mean, if the third eye opens, that's <laughs> yeah. that's an extra bonus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, uh, the, when, like, you know, people ask for certain moments in your life, which you can never forget. So this is that moment for me on the seventh day. There's a talk of Sadhguru and Sadhguru just says, he says something like close your eyes. And he says, if you are, if you are willing I will be accessible to you in ways beyond your imagination. And at that time, all the pain that I was carrying from my childhood—something—it just went away from me. Like so much things I was carrying away within me just went away. And I was like, "How can you do this, Sadhguru? Like, how can you take away this? How can you be so real?" And I started crying. Like I think for half an hour, I just cried and. That was a defining moment for me that I knew like I have reached my place. I have reached home. Like this is something that is there with will be there with me for always. So that was a turning point in my life and I remember because till that moment I was super stressed you know my brother's marriage was happening like that brother my cousin and I'm very close to him and as his brother I'm, I'm the one who's supposed to take care of the things and you know manage things and I'm not able to do any of that I was just stressed out and my family members were supporting me telling you don't need to do anything it's okay we will handle it when I am I, I was the one who was supposed to do that but here I am in 7 days in a moment it just shifted and I'm sitting in my room waiting <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, sorry, uh, some <laughs> disturbance at the door. <sighs> anyway, uh, go ahead. Yeah, where was I? Like, I was talking about the. Uh, you were saying uh,
1: the things just dropped yeah, from. Things just dropped, and. Uh, yeah, I was talking about my brother's marriage, yeah. So, here, yeah, I'll just repeat it. So, I was really stressed, like, you know my brother's marriage was happening and i being his younger brother i was supposed to be the one taking care of all the things and here at that moment i was not able to do all of that and my family was supporting me like you don't need to do anything you just take care of yourself and i was feeling literally bad that i'm not able to do anything for him or you know just Mm. take part involve in the event and just make it happen for him and within these seven days a complete shift happened. Like after that Inner Engineering program, I remember sitting with my food and eating, and I'm like, oh, how did this happen? How did this change happen within you, Vaishak? Because when I look at it, till then I was trying to do big, big things to bring this transformation within me. But within the Inner Engineering program, as far as I remember, I did not do something miraculous. They were just simple no crazy instructions. Postures. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just doing simply breathing in a certain way, doing certain things. And I'm totally different. That transformation has happened within me. Mm. Which 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 before would take me to meet a psychologist, have counseling sessions for two to three hours, two to three weeks to have a little bit change. Pops some pills. Yeah. That's happened in such an effortless way. And I still remember I had called a lot of my friends from Uh, other states to attend the wedding and i was so tense like will they come will they not come like i was the kind of guy like if they called and said i would not be able to come Vaishak, i'd be like why i had invited you You should have told me before Uh and now after inner engineering some people i I had invited them and at the last moment they would call me and like hey Vaishak, something has happened i'm not able to come like yeah that's fine no issues don't come it's okay you are all right right so i've become that chilled out Hmm. and a lot of my friends came and the entire marriage I was able to, you know, I was in such a I think a high I have never, when people talk about being in a high, I, I don't know what a high is but now when I look back at it I think I was on a high of the after <laughs> inner engine like I was just doing my practices twice and sleep just reduced. I was not, not like a forceful sleep. Like I remember and now it's not happening. Maybe it's because of my cheeseburger diet. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember after inner engineering, like usually I would, I could not, when I wake up, it's like twisting and turning and now also it's like that. But I remember very clearly, I would open my eyes and I'm good to go. I would just sit up. I'm good to go like it's as if i'm super energetic that that was the kind of energy that i had after initiation so super chilled out and uh, the function happened it happened very nicely i was able to you know just do whatever was needed like like that kind of thing and then i went to lucknow in uttar pradesh which is like a north indian state for my mphil and um, i was studying over there and then uh, there was this event called lap of the master So, for me, see, after I did Inner Engineering, it was conducted by a Swami. Sadhguru was not there. But for me, I I never felt the need to see Sadhguru. Like, I felt like he's with me. He has given me whatever I need. So, this lap of the master came and it's an opportunity to be with Sadhguru. He'll be there with all of us for three days. So, I was like, no, I won't go. Why do I need to go? It's fine. I've got my what I want. At uh, that time I just came back to Kerala, so one of our volunteers in a local centre, Somnadana. And he asked me, Vaisya, aren't you going for Lap of the Master? I'm like, no, eh? why you're not going? You should go. I'm like, oh, okay, then I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, so I, like I registered on the website, <coughs> I registered on the website and I came to the Lap of the Master, so I was, it was a big Adiyogi Alayam, the big hall. I was somewhere behind. People were asking questions and all that. People are asking a lot of questions. I did not have anything to... I am like, yeah, nice, Sadhguru. I still remember when Sadhguru enters... He asked everyone to close his eyes. And then he starts standing something. Everyone started going crazy. I'm like, what the hell? What's (laughs) happening over here? (laughs) I'm like sitting, but people are screaming. Okay, this is the first time I'm seeing something like this. But I was totally okay with it. It was not that, oh, I'm in a crazy place or anything. I was open to all that. And then uh, he was doing some meditation and people were asking questions. I did not have any question to ask. But one... uh, and I stands up and asks, you know, Sadhguru, uh, you have uh, given so much to me. What can I offer you back? Like there's so much gratitude within me. What can I offer you back? So I was oh, when he asked that question, I was like, I would also want to have asked that question. Like, what can I give back to you? So Sadhguru answers this, you know, I am not the person who expects something back. If there is something within you, you should allow it to burn within you so that it just explores within you. That's all he said. And in the end, he said, like, you know, this is the year Isha is going to just blow up. Like, we are going to do a huge amount of activity to help a lot of I means to reach out to people. What year was that? Um, I did May 2018 Inner Engineering. So, 2018 Lap of the Master, I think. Or what oh. should be 2019 Guru or something. Mm. Yeah. So he was like, uh, if at all there is something, let's say you have, he just said like, if you have five to 10 minutes, please come to the ashram, like whatever time you have come to the ashram or in the local center, support in whatever way you can. And this just stayed within me. I went back to Lucknow. I was in my course. And I somehow, this is just playing within me. I know this is what I want to do. This is the tool I was looking with which I could offer to other people. Mm. This is something that I can offer. Like offer in the sense, for me, offering was just volunteering in the Inner Engineering Programme because till then I had done so many things I thought would impact people but in a way it was harming them (laughs) because if I was not good what can I offer but for the first time in my life I knew even if I just roll a mat in the inner engineering program or if I just clean the toilets I have done something which will actually transform people's life because that was what has happened for me someone was willing to arrange the hole someone was willing to clean the toilet someone was willing to teach the class for my inner engineering program those are all volunteers who are not getting paid they were just willing to offer themselves so it was because of them that it happened for me so for me um, for me if I could be that person for them that would mean a lot to me so uh, uh <laughs> so so I decided to quit my course over there and that's a big thing you do not quit college courses in India that's a big no no <laughs> <laughs> so I called my parents I had to make the decision I called my parents I'm coming back I don't care. I'll drive an Uber. (laughs) That's even bigger. You don't drive an Uber. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) You don't do that. So, it was for the... And... Uh... I still remember till then. I, I by that by that time I had a YouTube channel, like you know, a little bit YouTube channel I was doing, and I remember I was never open about my story.
0: Mm.
1: So I realized that if so I really,
0: what were you doing on the YouTube channel?
1: So YouTube channel I was uh, initially I started with mental health videos, talking about psychiatric pills and all that, and then I went for men's style, you know how to dress properly. <laughs> At that time I used to follow alpha and real men real, men, real style a
0: lot. Are those videos still
1: up? Yeah, it's still there. Okay, I good. I have kept, kept it there. So so that people understand like this is how I have evolved. I've never, I've not taken down any of those videos. <laughs> yeah. So you can see me with some straps and like how to insert your shirt properly so that they don't come out. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's
1: a, it's, a, it's a well-watched video. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So yeah. And I still remember after my Inner Engineering program, I typed Inner Engineering Review on YouTube. I thought, so such a nice program. Someone might have done a review on it, but there was nothing out there. So, there was one video of one nana, I think he's talking with a very, something like that. And i like, okay, if people watch this video, they might not do inner engineering. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, I'll make a video. So, I made a video talking about my experience. And I was genuine with it. I told I was facing some anxiety issues. And I told, I did not explain anything inside the program or anything. I just made it like, this is what has happened, happened. And... After a few weeks that video clicked. I think some suddenly a lot of comments started coming. People started watching it. And I so I also started replying to them. But one thing within me was I always wanted to the the content creators that I used to follow then were AlphaM and Real Men Real Style. And what I liked about them that even though the channel was about style they were very open about their journey in life. I remember like this guy, Alpha, he would cry on his podcast with some struggle. So, that was something I would relate with him. So, I, one thing somehow it was there within me was I need to be genuine with my content. Mm. I That was somewhere within me. Like, do not try to put, try to gain audience or something like that. So, I knew that if I really wanted to connect with people, I had to be vulnerable. But uh, <laughs> What vulnerable Not <laughs> this <is> dog. <dark.
0: laughs> oh, <long game>. Hello
2: <laughs>
0: Okay. Sorry, uh someone came home, but uh now we're back. Yeah. So Yeah. So I was talking about uh content creation. Like I used to follow
1: FM and Realman Real Style and They would be very genuine even though their channel was all about men's style they could have just put it about what to wear they would still talk about the struggles they're facing in life i still remember them crying about some of the issues they're facing and how being a man it's all about being open to your emotions so somehow within me i connected with them because they were genuine so I realized if I really, really want to connect with my audience, I have to be vulnerable. And that vulnerability has to come from a place of happiness. It should not be like I'm, I want their sympathy or something. It should be because I'm okay with sharing it. And because of inner engineering, that happiness was within me. Suddenly, I did not think that me sharing this and let's say if I shared about my depression and if someone commented bad about it or someone said this is bad, it would affect me. Mm -hmm. somehow doing the inner engineering gave me a source of happiness within myself where I do my practices and I was really chilled out so I realized let's say if I put out my video even even if my mom because till that time I was dependent on my mom what my parents would think about it so before also i wanted to put out the video but i didn't put it because they thought no you should not put it it would affect your marriage chances you know illness oh. is not something so you put it yeah 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 so <laughs> so i was like yeah that's true but after the inner regime program it did not matter to me like whether i get married or not whether my parents think that you know this is not right I knew this is this needs to be done and I have to do it. So it was the first time I took out my I had a camera, my camera. I had the lapel mic you talked about, and I put it on like, hey guys, I just want to share my story, and that I just put it out, and uh, and that was for the first time in my life. My mother did not talk to me really? for one month. Yeah, she a like, month. Yes, she saw the video and she was not at all happy, and that that came from a place of caring for for her. A son talking about his mental health, and men, you know, other people would look at her son like, oh, he has some issues. So for her, she thought like, my entire future is ruined because of it. I might not find a bride, and all those things might. I'm not sure. So for one month, she did not talk to me. Even my dad, my dad was okay with the video, but he was more angry that I was leaving the course. <laughs> he was like, you just finish the course and come back. Why? Like you can do inner engineering volunteering even after two in two years. And for me, that is true. I could have done inner engineering volunteering even after getting the degree, but. The main thing I quit the course was Not only because of inner engineering, uh, as a psychologist, uh, I had to work in mental health institutes. So, when I would go to mental health institutes, sometimes I would have to observe them and I would have to categorize them as depression or obsessive compulsive disorder or schizophrenia or whatever it is. And depending on that, they would be given medications or even I think shock, I think which is banned. I don't know why.
0: Shock
1: therapy? Yeah. Yeah, like the little shock. That's the most harmful thing that you can do to a person. So, I was not lit. And I saw that the psychiatric institute was such a dingy place like let's say someone is depressed you put them in a dark place with all these things they're gonna get more depressed and anxious i myself was finding it hard to stay there so this was not something that i wanted to do like what's the use of me learning a lot about psychology what's the use what am i going to do with that degree i was literally feeling like this is not on one end this is there and on one end Sadhguru and inner engineering which is some one of the most beautiful experience i have had so for me the choice was evident i did not care whether my parents i did not care about money i was like i'll come back home i'll drive an uber i will just go for inner engineering volunteering so that was my thing and uh, at that time even though my parents did not like i said i had a lot of family support even though my mom and my dad were a little bit hesitant. My mom's twin sister, my auntie, my auntie, she was very supportive. She said, it's okay. Like, she understood me. And she said, it's okay. Don't worry. You come back home. Like, don't stay stressed. Don't worry about anything. You just come back home. So, I came back home. And, um, yeah, at that time, some of my cousins are also stopped talking to me. Because I was doing random things. Because this is not something that they understood, you know. Going for a yoga program. Yoga is okay. But leaving everything for it and all that stuff. So... That was a bit of a hard face during that time, you know. And I also did something very, very uh, unnecessary and I think right now very wrong also. I tried to tell them that you also need to do inner engineering. That this is a nice program and you should do it. I think maybe that was also one of the reasons why that, you know, resistance. resistance game. Now, when I look back, I was super foolish at that time. I did not realize like, you know, the spiritual process or something has to happen on its own. Like after volunteering for many inner engineering programs, I have realized that. <laughs> I
2: have
1: seen a lot of people go through the same program like what the hell is this? I still don't like it. I still remember one incident. There was this, It's. I hope it's okay to share or maybe you can cut it off. I'll just share it. There was this one guy who had messaged me like he wanted to do inner engineering program. He did it. And then I met him in the ashram also. He's like, yeah, it's a nice place. And like a few weeks later, he, I got a message from him saying, yes, yeah, Sadhguru is such a fake guru. What are you guys doing from Isha me? Oh. <laughs> so it was like a wake up, for, wake up call for me. I understood that just because someone goes to inner engineering or does the program doesn't necessarily mean they're going to all be very happy or they're going all going to do the practices regularly. It depends on how they receive it. Yeah. So there's a lot of individual difference on how they receive it. So, so that was one of the things. So, yeah, I came back home and uh, I wanted to somehow escape from my family, I think, because it was not.
2: (laughs) 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 So I
1: thought I'll go for Rally for Rivers. At that time, Sadhguru had started Rally for Rivers and he had told, uh, I want Indian youth to take two years of that, two or three years, how many was it? Two years, I think like okay. yeah something like without thinking about what uh, what they will get they should offer themselves so i was like okay this is something i can do so
0: what was your understanding of what that program was at the time
1: rally for rivers mm-hmm. so what i understood was uh, the rivers in india
0: uh, you know dying
1: and uh, and uh, no one was willing to take it up to rejuvenate the rivers and finally someone Sadhguru, was taking it up and at that time this is one sentence he says, you know, Swami Vivekananda wanted 100 youth who could just be willing. And at that time, after my inner engine program and all, I, had, I was at a super willing position. I was very willing at that time. Right now, I'm not. <laughs> at that time, I remember I was very willing. And I was like, I can't do this. Because I wanted to involve myself in something where... It's not about me. It's about someone else. So Rally for Rivers under Sadhguru's guidance seemed like the perfect thing for me. For me, my idea at that time, I did not know volunteering can get very intense. For me, <laughs> I did not know volunteering can get very intense that sometimes you won't get time for sadhana. My idea was that you go for volunteering, you will get enough time. They will first so many type of sardana then only you need to do so i am lucky i did not get rally for reverse now when i think about it so i jumped the story so i applied for rally for Rivers. i cleared the interview and all that but the medical part i couldn't clear because i had the history of seizures maybe that's why they rejected me i'm not sure but when that came when i was told that you know this is not maybe this might not be the right for you I was a bit sad. Oh, why? Sadhguru wanted this. I'm willing. I can come. But then something... Sadhguru always says this, you know. uh, You always make plans. I'm just paraphrasing it or rephrasing it, I think. You always have plans for yourself. But if that doesn't happen, that is the best. Because life has its own plans. I was like, oh, maybe that's it. That's another thing. Yeah. Now when I look back at it, it... That was great because at that time my YouTube was slowly slowly started picking up and people were reaching out to me and I was messaging them back and uh, I even applied for Sathana Pada, the second sadhana Pada also and uh, that also didn't happen. And th- That happened actually. I still remember the Swami, I was on my way to the ashram and the Swami called me for some program. Swami called me, Vaishag, your Sadhana Pada is approved. You can come. And I was like, no Swami, I am not coming. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why I said that but at that time, I actually wanted to escape from my family because, you know, parents were like, what is this? What is happening? What are you doing? Oh, why didn't you want to go then? Because I want, to, ah, that's what, because why I didn't want to go then was I was putting YouTube videos and people were messaging me like how to go to Inner Engineering. And I realized that what is stopping people from reaching the ashram is not some big things. They just don't know that there's a program called Inner Engineering happening in their city. Mm. they actually thought just like me that you need to go to the ashram you have to spend your lifetime over there they did not know that there is a local center where you can just spend three hours for seven days they did not know like (laughs) there is no food restrictions you can eat anything so these were the small small things that were stopping them from actually going for the program and I was replying to them on a basis so I realized like why did I leave my entire course for To help people to find this program. And now if I can do it through my social media. If I go for Sadhna Pada. How will uh, it happen? So somehow even though situations at home were not conducive. I still decided to make that. But again at that time I was not sure about YouTube. And I was very confused. But now I remember. You came on. You. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you were asking who made us in contact. Minu, you... Oh, that's right.
0: Minu, how <laughs> could I forget? <laughs> Minu, I'm so sorry. Don't <laughs> hear
2: that. <you. laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Minu's actually gonna kill him. Yeah, because, shout out to Minu.
1: Yeah, and, and, because I still remember. I, I'll tell you, I'll be very honest, like... I I was going huge on Instagram So suddenly I'm checking my photos like oh this is pretty hot girl who has followed me back I'm like who is this <laughs> I'm like, oh my god she's a supermodel and then she sent me a message hey I'm from Australia and you know we started talking like that yeah so and then I don't know she she, she became very close like she like like I felt like I was talking to my very old friend so I started talking to her and you know like this and said so, somehow we talked about YouTube and all this stuff and he's like I know my friend Heath, you have to talk to him and uh, like that, uh, or was it Ravanika? Like
2: no, hmm.
0: Heath. Heath only. No, also, yeah. Also, we never met Mino till now. Yeah, but we are also like, super close. <laughs> yeah. she she reached out to me on Instagram too. Yeah, so I it was just like a... I haven't also personally met her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to take a trip to Australia this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah.
1: So. That that's when I called you. I was like very, super confused at that time. And, uh, I did not have a clarity of what I was doing. I was just doing something. And I also didn't know. And I would like you to tell me, like, how was that called? If you remember, like, what was
0: it like? What place I was coming from? Uh, I just remember you, you had like something like 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. And you were just using this little lapel mic. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, what? (laughs) What is this guy doing? (laughs) So, uh, I don't know. I, I think you already had all of the, like, competence. You just needed that little poke so that you could take yourself seriously. That's really all you needed. And that's, I was just like, yeah. Go, go do it. Get, Get a camera. The, but that POG is very significant.
1: You know, that POG, if that POG is not there, I could have literally gone back like, this is not for me. I would have taken maybe my dad's thing or something. Um, I don't know. Like I was... Because there are certain times, no one understands like as a content creator, like what is needs to be done. There are certain things. Yeah. I still remember, you know, one person called me. He wanted this, this, this. I don't know where to set my boundaries. So I called you like if something happens. And one thing that I like about you is like... You first say, I don't know. Maybe, but you say, like, maybe this is how it is. You do not put your, uh, you know, this is the solution. You you put various alternatives like this, 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 this. And you allow uh, me, you allow me, like, to choose from that. So, that was, like, something very, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah like, needed for me at that time
0: and even still is. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, like, at some point, I, I thought, like you need to make money right why don't you just sell some t-shirts or yeah. something yeah. and then you somehow found that who who is that yeah. that came with the yeah 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 of like really gorgeous designs. <laughs> and I was like yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> doing it but I think the best moment for me was when you said that uh your dad was uh or your parents were like watching your videos yeah. and like supporting you and they're like oh let the ad play he needs the money yeah yeah <laughs> i was like Man, i love this <laughs> i loved your parents so much for that yeah. that's
1: that's very true like i still read comments like something for me is like to connect with the audience i still read comments like the comments are like anna i still watch your ads <laughs> they that's how connected i feel they are so genuinely connected with me like they're willing to watch ads for me so that is how close my audience and I still do not put it for myself. I always see it's not because of me. It's because it's like I'm able to help them to reach Sadhguru. It's all his grace that, you know, it's because of the integrity and genuineness with what he's offering that I'm able to get a bit of that in my own life. So it's a very huge privilege for me to be able to do that. I'm just, every day I see that, you know, I do not misuse or, you know, try to keep it as pure as possible in whichever way that I can. So... It's just... That's what... I'm just... I'm just getting a free ride on his wave. That's what I see, Des. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So... I mean, you, you started that channel doing all these, like, style tips and whatever. Yeah. And you got into all this. What do you want to do with it going forward? Going forward,
1: <clears throat> I... Would want to maybe expand it into multiple languages, the same content, uh, dub it into various multiple languages, and uh, maybe even hire a content creator, um, a cameraman or someone you know who could totally document this. Because when Sadhguru is right here, right now, because the autobiography of a yogi, that book is from a seeker's perspective. Mm. So, how I got connected to that book is because it shows a seeker's journey. Like how the param is with his guru. The struggles that if it's very raw, it does not talk about the guru like, oh, the guru says I'm following it. He talks about the guru says I'm not going to follow this. I want to go here and there. So that is the same thing I am facing. Even though I feel Sadhguru is my guru, I have my own struggles with him. I have my own tribulations with him. And through my content, I'm just trying to document that. And, and that is why I feel a lot of people connect with me because I do not try to portray something that is not happening within me it's it's whatever is happening within me that's how i'm showing it so i just want to make that possibility happen for a lot of people maybe seeing my content is something that helps them to follow a spiritual path which will lead them to their ultimate possibility so in today's world content is that thing like content is the way and in which You know, it touches people, people even for buying a smartphone, even for buying, let's say, a mic. They look on Google uh, YouTube reviews. So if I can and the one thing with that is they are constantly being bombarded by ads and everything. Everyone wants to sell them something. So when everyone wants to sell them something, people actually have the natural gut feeling when they see something very genuine or something. And the only way to be genuine is to just be genuine. You can't fake being genuine. To be vulnerable. Yeah, to be vulnerable and to... And for me, since I follow Gary V, I I know that the only way is to just be yourself and maybe just show whatever is you. You just show it. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. So I hope, you know, I'm able to expand this content and put it in multiple languages. So that, let's say, because I understand, let's say Isha Foundation and Sadhguru puts out a lot of content. But it's just like... Uh, we all want an outside perspective. Whenever we are buying something, even a, let's say it's an Apple iPhone, we want to see the review of someone outside. Yeah. We won't check the review of Apple because that's the YouTube video yeah, with the reviews, like yeah, the unboxing. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. So, because that's how. Like even I also, when I want to do something, that's how I am also. So people want an outside perspective, and I think that is why maybe I can give that outside perspective in a in a different way and. Uh, Like, just like I had a lot of misconceptions about the path of spirituality that one has to be a monk. Definitely that possibility also exists. That should also be there. But there's a family life also possible. Anything, like Mm -hmm. spiritual path means anything. You can be anywhere in the world, but you just need to have a room to do your practices. (laughs) So, yeah, a little space where you can put your yoga mat for some time and yeah and slowly slowly you will understand that that yoga mat will become your whole life like slowly whatever you do you can and that's something that i'm struggling with right now you know i do my sadhana but there are a lot of struggles within me right now a lot of things have started popping back up but slowly slowly whatever i go the one thing that has stayed with me is like i said like i whenever my depression used to come back i would crash fully and coming out of it would be very hard but right now even when I crash there is something within me which does not allow it to go beyond a certain point and Mm. I know it will stay there so that base is there with which I can slowly slowly come back up Mm. so I think that possibility should be available for everyone that no matter what happens they know there is something not outside but within themselves they can always surely depend upon and that will always be available to them if they are willing to yeah. Mm. so so accessible Sadhguru is right now and uh, I just want to make sure, he wants to stretch 7 billion people uh, I just want to aid him in reaching that extra thousand people which will
0: make that 7 billion possible maybe mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so at this point you're getting I'm sure tons of messages and comments and yes, all this kind yes. of stuff right? what's been the, do you have any like funny interactions or meaningful like uh, things people have yes and the most meaningful are when um,
1: kids kids are very kids i think young kids and they do not connect with if they have i think they have a genuine sense of knowing what is real and what is fake so when a young kid reaches out to me and says you know i want to do inner engineering and uh, that touches me like they say they they saw my video and they started watching Sadhguru and now they love him and they would love to do inner engineering. I look back at what was I doing at 15 years old. I was was just watching, I don't know, (laughs) some random shit. But here these kids are so willing and they're little girls and little boys for whom Sadhguru means a lot and that is really touching for me that, you know, they do the inner engineering program, they do Ekadeshi fasting. So, that has to be a genuine process over there. It has to be something super super genuine out there. And sometimes even I get the question like, what am I doing? Even though, you know, I get a lot of people messaging. I'm like, is this actually needed? Like, what am I doing? And then I get these messages like, someone might have been into depression. They might have, you know, think thought about going for suicide or something like that. And then they saw my video. And then they started watching Sadhguru videos. And then they did the inner energy program. And now they're living so happily. So that, that's when I realized, okay, this, this, this needs to happen. This really means a lot. So... That, that those are really touching moments for me at the same time yes definitely hate comments are also there that's a part of it like, what's, what's the best like mean comment best mean comment is like dude you're doing all the sadhana you're still eating biryani you're not at all
0: spiritual what the hell bro <laughs> Yeah. um something i found to be very true not just with social media but just generally is that like your network is everything so what kind of um what kind of people have opened up to you in is networking wise because you've started the social media journey well i guess what kind of opportunities or doors have been opened oh my god like it's it's very beautiful like now
1: like like let's say wherever i go like People just come to me, they meet me, they they share their entire life with me. Like, it's so beautiful. They, they see Some people see me like their brother, some people see me like my son. Like, right now I'm in US, uh, I'm with you guys. Mm-hmm. This is all because of this. And one of the things is, like, I'm going to Dallas where Apraka is. I've never met her, but she sees me like her younger brother. She says, you have to stay at home, you have to be here. So, this is so touching for me. Like, you know, people just... Uh, love me for who I am and they're willing to be with me. And I'm able to share my moments with them. So it's just Even with my family, like initially they were like Sadhguru is fake, this is that, you know, all the Isha people they might be into all this kind of. They're stealing kidneys. Yeah, stealing kidneys, I know. But with my content, I notice is my parents are actually watching my content, and now when they see, they're like, oh, Isha people are very nice people. They do their things. They're working for this thing. So even though they are not into Isha or uh, doing any practices, they still love. They still see that Sadhguru is doing something that is most needed for the world. They see the kind of human beings he's creating for the world so somewhere deep within them they understand like this is something beautiful happening maybe they're not willing to acknowledge it like that but they know it like it is happening so it's only because of my content that this has happened for me and for that I would like to thank Gary V also because uh, Mm -hmm. from him also it's I learned a little bit way of documenting stuff you know just putting raw content so yeah and that's why I'm here in US to go for his conference mm-hmm. like for me he, he also means a lot to me even though I haven't met him or I haven't seen him but his content has helped me a lot in figuring out my own content a bit and to also understand this very important thing that it's not the number of subscribers that is not what matters it's it actually matters to put out content which actually means something to me and uh, something to me and which adds value to other people so for me still today i do not look at what is the number of likes or anything i i want to make sure i try to reply to the number of comments i try to reply to the queries which i was doing even when i had 100 subscribers till this date i try to do that because that's why i started this channel for and i still try to be there (laughs) <laughs> because he is someone with millions of followers he has multi-billion businesses but he still replies to the comments so if he can do it means not to the large scale he still says it's up to each person to decide maybe I cannot reply everyone but he still replies so that really touches me like someone of his thing he still cares for people he still adds value to them in whichever way he is possible so for me I have Sadhguru <laughs> like with so much powerful tools so If he can do it for his businesses and for his content, when my guru is there, why can't I be able
0: to do that for him? Mm. (laughs) Um, So I like to sort of wrap these interviews up by looking at the future a little bit. Okay. So let's start simply like what's, um, if you had to guess what's going to happen in the next five years, What do you think? He's
2: getting
0: married. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You're getting married. Yes,
1: I'm getting married. Arranged marriage. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, cheeseburger.
0: Calm down. We're going to get it soon. (laughs) Um, uh, What does... I ask this because there's really no... Concept hardly at all, except maybe if you're in an Indian community yeah. of like arranged marriages in the U.S. So what's that? Because um, you've seen lots of Western content, yeah. movies and stuff. So what is it? How do you look at it? Arranged marriages and and other like a, a, I guess they call love marriage. Like, yeah. How do you view it all? So the thing is, uh, I initially thought I wanted to get. Uh,
1: because I saw this arranged marriage casting so I was kind of like a rebel against my parents so I was going against arranged marriage because I did not want to get the satisfaction that I married according to them (laughs) (laughs) so I was like I will not do arranged marriage I will fall in love with a girl I will do like that but then I realized I'm not capable of it <laughs> like it is I might fall into patterns where I might choose someone who is actually not good for me mm. I might just go for the looks or something that is initially very attractive but maybe that is not what is needed for me so I realize, okay maybe arranged marriage is a better thing because when I look at it my parents love me they would anyway choose someone who can support me who is you know who they there will be a little bit you know family support and i i felt it is good so i agreed to them you know let's go for the arranged marriage <laughs> sure mm-hmm. i just wanted this thing that you know i will be open about all my journey because in india still mental health things it's still a bit of a taboo so i was very open like uh, I will be doing my YouTube thing. Like even for marriage, I won't take down any of my videos and I would need to talk to the girl uh, and their family also should know entirely. And my parents were also, yeah, that we should definitely talk to their family and all that. So, yeah. So like that.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, I have to say, cause Shravan, I just got married. Yeah. You know, you were yeah, there. Yeah. I was there. And, uh, so if you're watching this, if you didn't notice or you don't know who Vaisu is somehow, uh, he was there and vlogging and making all these videos. So first of all, thank you. Cause we have tons of contact from yeah. our wedding that yeah. we probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. And secondly, it was crazy because I kept getting people walking up to me being, Oh Heath, I saw you from Vice's channel. <laughs> like who are you? <laughs> um, but it's uh, it was a surreal experience and, um, I I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to come not just for the Asham wedding, but the one in Shraff's home. Yeah. Cause it was a lot of fun. That was crazy. And Big music, Jesse. Yeah. Jesse and Eric. Tell a good movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was, it was just fantastic. Yeah. I'm really glad uh, that was able to happen. So, um, I just cannot wish you more, uh, just so much love yeah, and i i i really cannot wait to see how your wedding and everything unfolds yeah. and uh and i guess the rest of your life yeah <laughs> that'll be fun but i'm sure it'll be on the vlogs. So yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank
1: you and uh i'm so happy that i'm here for this podcast I, i've shared this journey on a few podcasts but i think i haven't gone so detailed into so many of my things and thank you so much for having me here and you know for giving me this space and this opportunity and I just it's I don't know there's something I feel when I'm with you like I can share anything and and I think that's a space like every guy should have in their life I hope with the men on watching this, they have someone like Heetana in their life, you know, with whom they can share and talk to. So, thank you for having me, and uh, thank Aww. you, Sravanyaka, for being
0: there behind
1: the camera, switching it. <laughs> <laughs> <tuck, tuck>,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to thank me, the, the easiest way to do that would be to do the chili challenge. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> we'll be doing the chili challenge for <laughs> safe soil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You need Uh, to go to the grocery to get that chili. Oh,
0: God. Okay, we're going to do that before you go. And uh, real quick, because it is super important, um, and you just brought it up, safe soil. Uh, If you guys don't know what that is, do you want to just give a quick recap? Oh, my God. What is safe soil in a nutshell?
1: No, you have to give it. Who is the best about safe soil? I know, but... Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay.
0: Real quick, I <laughs> yeah. say this because, because he's the technical one. You will be able to say the technical. technical one. Yeah. So um, this is super important. Uh, I'm 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 just putting this in there because there's a movement right now to, um, raise awareness of the fact that our soil is degrading and that's kind of important. Like we need that for food and stuff. So, (laughs) and, uh, but not just that, um, soils, uh, a fantastic way that we can sequester carbon out of the atmosphere to battle climate change, uh, in terms of water retention. I mean, there's, if you go to savesoil.org, there's so much information on it but presented in a way that's very easy to understand yeah um if you just look up for hashtag save soil i think that's the hashtag right you'll find so much content where people have made and you can see more about it Uh, but most importantly if we all like the simplest thing is if we just start talking about soil right now um we can get enough people talking that we can uh influence what's going on at these big conventions with public leaders and that's how we actually get policy in place to handle this so um i i just ask you to take a little bit of your time and just just google it just see because uh this is really important and it's really about creating soil for the future which is very important to me yeah. i mean i want to have a future I and i want to have a cheeseburger and he wants cheeseburgers mm. you need soil for that yes yeah. so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and one thing is i'm amazed at how the most complicated program uh problems in the world Sadhguru is able to make it so simple it's so effective solutions it's mm-hmm. like why the hell didn't i think about this before
0: yeah yeah <laughs> I, the most interesting one he was saying why are we labeling food as organic when instead we can label it by the percentage of organic content which is much easier to measure yeah. and more useful yeah uh, little things like that um just blow my mind But uh, anyway, that's my plug. Just had to say it, just in case you never heard about it. Yeah. Um, it has been a a real pleasure, and I will get you with that chili. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much for for doing this. Okay. Thank you, Anna. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it, guys. Um, Oh, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or anything you want to share? No, just enjoy your life, be happy.
1: And do not do the chili challenge.
0: What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Learn from his <these> mistakes. <laughs> okay, that's all. Thanks, everybody.
2: Plug
0: in your channel Oh. Oh. Um. Yeah. yeah what? what plugs you got?
1: Oh yeah. You. My Instagram handle is Vaishu90, and my YouTube is my name Vaishak Sabu. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can just Google it; you will find it. Everything yeah. will be in the description.
0: Yeah. And and what? You
2: just be it.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, they're already watching that. Okay, subscribe. check me out on Meet Your Species, which you're already doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's it.
1: So can they find this on Spotify and all? Yeah, Yeah, it's on all the things. I use Anchor. Okay. So so, yeah. You always told me about Anchor, and I was
0: day one from Anchor. This is Anchor. Anyway, I love you all. Have a great day, and we shall talk to you the next time that we talk to you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>